Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome to We Say Things, episode 18, sponsored 18. by Fractal Design. Suns fan here with the great Cinderin. How are you, friend? We're both super jet-lagged from our respective trips. Yours was in China. Six-hour difference for you. Mine was in Denver. One-hour difference for me. We both got <laughs> back recently. How are you doing, friend? Yeah. Uh, I'm okay. Um, yeah, I didn't sleep too much this night, but I don't know if I expected to anyway. And I mm-hmm. slept quite a lot on the planes, so I think uh, overall I'm feeling pretty good. So Good. You didn't get stuck behind uh, or stuck next to any babies or completely obese Americans? No. As a matter of fact, I actually had an empty seat next to me so I could use my legs. That was wow. great. Wow. That's, you know, that I went on the plane. the dream. I was very fortunate this was only a two-hour flight, and I'm, I, w- I want to see what you would have done in this situation if it was a longer flight. So I have to get... Like I always check in and book my flights uh, and choose my seats. Always aisle seats for me, okay? Because mm-hmm. I have restless legs, uh, which I take pills for, and it definitely helps. But still, I need to be able to stretch my legs. It's really bad during flights. Okay. So, like these two-hour flights aren't a big deal. But again, just pretend this is like an international flight. So, right. I go up to my seat. It's way in the back of the goddamn plane because it was the only seat that was available. And I see somebody sitting in my seat. And I go up to him. I'm like... <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. I think you're in my seat. And he looks at me. He's like, oh, I'm not feeling too good. Do you mind if I just sit here instead? Like, all right, where were you sitting? Thankfully, it was not a middle seat, but it was a window seat in the same row. So I sit there and I am so fucked. So I had to bring two carry-ons. So one is in the upper part and I have to put my bag underneath my chair because I thought I would have leg room being in Mm -hmm. the aisle, but it's not. So super uncomfortable the entire flight. So question is, would you do that if it was an international flight, 10 plus hours, eight plus hours, let's say? If it was genuine, then yeah, I would. No questions asked. What if he was faking it? No, I don't think it makes that big of a difference whether you sit aisle or window. For me, it doesn't make that big of a difference. What if it was middle? Still not that big. Really? You would not? Yeah, that, how is that not a big deal? The thing the thing for me that matters is if there's an empty seat next to it. That's what has value. Because apart from that, you don't really have much more leg space by sitting on either side or the middle. It doesn't really help very much. I disagree. You can stretch and constantly I mean, in the aisle. And then even if there was a difference, it's still if there's a guy who's feeling bad and it helps, then you know I think he wants to sit on the aisle seat so he has quick access to the bathroom, right? So he can get out if he needs to throw up or whatever it is, if he has diarrhea. Um, <laughs> Which is probably why you want aisle seats, and it has nothing to do with legs, actually. You know, the funny thing um, is, I told you, it's one of my biggest fears is actually taking a dump on a plane. I just can't stand the idea of somebody sitting outside the door waiting for me for literally twenty minutes. The last time I've taken the door. The last time I've taken a dump on a plane, how long do you think it was? I don't know, ten years. 
over 20 years. Isn't that unbelievable considering Dang. how much I fly? That's, That's crazy. It's I like wasn't my body even knows. born then. Yeah, yeah, okay, buddy. Nice try. <laughs> uh, but to put a conclusion to the story, I was very cynical, thinking maybe he's faking it just to get a better seat. But he uh, uh-huh. actually left in a wheelchair. So he, he was quite sick indeed. Okay. Um, hopefully he's feeling better if he's watching, which is doubtful. Well, I anyway. Can, I, can tell you, I can tell you my quick cynical story from this okay. TI. Sure. So we went to the, we went to the after party, um, and I went there pretty early. I went there 20 minutes after it opened, and I figured, okay, maybe there's some people here. There was literally no other players or talent there yet. So I walk in, and there's just like these people, the waiters are just standing around the walls. So it's like, imagine you walk into a room, there's 20 people just looking at you, walking around in your jean shorts, you know? That was pretty much my experience going in there, just looking Still at me, walking shorts. around, nice. looking for people. I didn't find anyone. No, so, but the real story is, when I got to the elevator, I met a guy at the elevator. And he's like, hey, are you here for that Dota thing? And then he's like, sorry, a stupid question. You have the lanyard on, so of course you're here for Dota. I was like, hey, who are you? What do you do here? I am a deckhand on Gabe's yacht. I was like... What? I was like... It's like part of me wanted to believe it, <laughs> and another part of me was like, that sounds like the type of lie you would make up <laughs> to come into the after party, right? What? But it, tur- it turns out it was right. His yacht was there. Uh, his deckhand, there was like a bit of an entourage that came... Uh, to the after party as well and we're at ti um damn so yeah that was pretty so, it was just imagine imagine you go to the after party and this is what people say like somebody random you've never met before is like i'm a deckhand on gabe's yacht he even called him gabe you know <laughs> so he didn't fly there he took a goddamn yacht holy shit what a baller so, man so, supposedly um supposedly they also did that to vancouver from seattle i think Wow, um, that's what that's what I heard as well. But I don't know. I don't know if you know, like, uh, I don't know how big the yacht is. If it sailed the whole way, or if it was on a bigger, like, you know, it can get like mounted on a bigger ship or whatever. <laughs> Took it brought over. I have no idea. It was probably uh, dropped off from the spaceship first, and then probably then yes. the yacht dropped in the water. Yeah, yeah. dude, no. Gabe is a, a goddamn. He's my hero. I think he he's super rich. He buys these cool toys and whatnot, but. You just see him on the street, you'd have no idea. He he looks yeah. Like it'd be just if I was super rich, I'd be the same thing. I'd be walking around in pajama pants instead of shorts, which he has, but sandals as well. That sounds like the life, you know, just not giving a shit yeah. what people think. That's unfortunately, I, I'm just missing the money aspect, just a small little detail. But uh, yeah, yeah, you can buy a, a a little toy boat. Thanks, Cinderin. Anywho, you're welcome. Uh, so. Let's so most of this episode is going to be Dota 2 related, TI9 mostly. Let's talk about your experience at TI9, my experience at Jungle Jam, and then we'll talk mm-hmm. about the tournament itself and then go from there. So, okay. How was your experience overall? Um so How much I mean, pool did you play? <laughs> Very little, but I did really? play a tiny tiny amount because there was a pool table at the late game uh where they had the late game, they had a table mm-hmm. outside. So I played like a couple of rounds, but that was all. Um, yeah, I would say overall, like just I'll try to summarize it relatively quickly because there's so much to talk about, right? Um, but it was, I would say it wasn't the best TI for me and it also wasn't the worst. It was somewhere in like the middle, maybe slightly lower part. And there's a couple of reasons why. First of all, it's in China, which for you know someone like me is a limitation. Like you can't communicate as well with what's going on around. There's not the same incentive to go out. Uh, you you don't really have the same like feeling of, oh, let's just go out for dinner, you know, because you kind of, I mean, maybe you can speak English there, but it's still like an 
it's inconvenient. You can't really navigate as easily. You don't know where things are to the same extent as when you are in the US or Canada, right? It's just a language barrier thing, which is totally fine. Um, that's one thing. Then this year, I felt like it was a bit more separated, uh, where in the previous TIs, I felt a little bit more of a unison between players and casters and even the audience. This year was a little bit more like casters had their area, players had their areas, and the audience were out there, obviously. And the majority of the audience was Chinese, so it didn't have as much interaction in general, mm -hmm. uh, which was both good and bad. Uh, it was more relaxed, but at the same time, it was also maybe took out a little bit of the hype uh, as an English caster. Um, and I think this this might sound a little silly, but I think part of the reason it felt less in unison was that one of the things that's been a common thing at previous TIs has been the midnight snack. I guess you remember that. <laughs> um, yeah. Where players and talent will come down at like midnight and there will be some like late snack like pizza or wings or whatever it is. Uh, and it wasn't there this time. And that's been one of the primary ways that talent and players mingled because that's when, you know, the day's over, you're chilling, you come down there, you have a drink and you eat some food and maybe you play a little board game or whatever. Um, but we didn't really have that, so I didn't get mm -hmm. to see the players as much as I would have liked. Uh, overall, the venue was pretty similar, I would say. Uh, I thought the catering was worse than what, kind of food what we did had in both eat? Seattle and Vancouver. Um, they had different stuff. They had both Western and Eastern food, so it wasn't because the selections were not good. Mm. Um, as far as the hotel that we were at, the buffet was good, uh, very good. It wasn't like outstanding. People were hyping it up like crazy, saying it's the best shit ever. I thought it was definitely good, but uh, not like crazy great uh the rooms were nice similar again to what we usually have um and yeah what is that it uh transport was really good the infrastructure was actually very well planned out which i think some people were concerned about but our shuttles were very uh frequent and the distance wasn't that bad it took like 15 minutes to drive to the arena and we only got into heavy traffic like once in six days so that was pretty good was it smoggy at all when I was in Shanghai, it wasn't. Uh, yes, really. it was mm. in the evening of one day, I think. I mean, it depends, right? Because what's smoggy? Uh, you know the Shanghai Tower? It's like the third tallest building in the world or something. Um, when you when you looked up at the top of it, you couldn't really see the top. It was kind of like dystopic. <laughs> it has all these lights, and then they kind of just converge into like a darkness within a cloud. So it would have been like great on our evil buildings. I think is the Yeah, it would have been... Yes, and it looked like where if Lord of the Rings took place now, that is where they would have taken Gandalf when they caught him. So <laughs> that was what I was thinking. Okay. It actually looked like really scary. Did you there, did you play any cool. basketball on that tennis court? I did not, no. But the, the plenty of other people played. It was like they had reserved the court every night at 10. I think there was quite a lot of basketball going on. Yeah, um, that, that was, that was, that's a really hard court to play on. The the oh, ball bounces way too much. Yeah, I was at the Super... So same hotel as the Super Major... A really good hotel. Uh, the buffet, which I'm guessing it was the same. They have like different sections of the buffet. Vast like variety. Yes. Huge yeah. variety. And like little, it was almost like each country has a little section. Uh, and one mm -hmm. of them was like a Middle Eastern. I had shawarmas every day. And it's, and I lived in the Middle East. This is the best hummus I've ever had in my life. I ate it every day. I actually day. didn't try the hummus there. Oh, Cinder. Maybe a mistake. Well, Four or five days in a row, I had it. You didn't advise it. And then because of it, it just caught up to me and I had the worst diarrhea of my entire life, actually, well, to the point where I was actually late for one of the days. And they had to deliver Imodium to my room, the hotel, prescription Imodium. Never seen that before. Uh, and it fixed me right up. So that was great. <laughs> Jesus great Christ. experience in China, you know. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, is there overall, anything else you want to know though about my experience? Uh, like, did I not cover something? Like the quality of games, I guess. Um, well, well, we can get to that as we go we'll over the actual tournament. Yeah. But your overall experience was average. Is what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, for events, it was great. For TI, I would say it was overall average. Yeah, I think that's fair okay. to say. Um, All right. Yeah, I, I don't know if I... Yeah, of course, one last thing. The arena was in Chinese, but that's just how it's going to be in China, right? Uh, but obviously, that uh, mm-hmm. as an English speaker, that takes away a little bit of the arena feel and experience because the stuff that's live on the screens... Uh, they ran production in multiple languages this time, and they were like synced up so that the players would walk on stage and all of the streams would be synced up with the fact that that was happening. So like priority events happened at the same time on every stream. But outside of that, the streams didn't play the exact same content. So there would be one interview shown in the arena in Chinese. And then when you go on the English stream, they're playing something completely different. So you couldn't mm-hmm. like hear what was happening in the arena, basically, right. which was a bit of a shame, I guess. But it makes sense, right? They have different flows and different things they want to show. So. Yeah. And I don't think there's yeah. any way around that anyway. No, not really. Um, actually, you know what? One more thing. People mm-hmm. were, I actually want to talk about that later. It's fine. We'll, we'll get to it later. Okay. All right. So my experience cool. at the Jungle Jam in Denver, Colorado. Uh, it was, so in a lot of ways, this was kind of like a beta test for Midas mode since it's going to be the same venue. Uh, the only huge negative that we had was the AC was horrific. In fact, they didn't have AC. So I was just constantly sweating. And the couch that they had was a leather couch. So it was like my back and ass would be drenched in sweat every day. I'm sure I smelled just terrific. But a lot of fans showed up, um, one of which was a great friend. Glex actually showed up. Very cool uh, to oh, interact with people. Oh, from Han you worked with or something, right? Or no, you? not from... No, no? We, I think we maybe did we play Han. I can't remember if we went that that far back, but I'm sure oh, you've played okay. with him at some point. But anyway, people brought me a uh, uh, Krispy Kreme, Cinderin. Oh hell Glex yeah! Glex brought me, I believe, three dozen. Somebody else brought me two dozen. Somebody else said, "Hey, do you want me to go get you Krispy Kreme?" Because I know you were asking for. It. I'm like, no, no more fucking Krispy Kreme, please. <laughs> Way too you much. You said no to Krispy Kreme. I did. I was start. I, I gained a lot of weight at this event. Not gonna lie. Uh, after every day, we <laughs> we would go and eat at Denny's because we're disgusting human beings. And they had this. Oh dear. They had this cinnamon roll pancakes, Cinderin, with with right. cream cheese icing and whole. I'm not gonna lie. Even though it's Denny's, and I think IHOP's infinitely better. It was one of the best pancakes I've ever had. And we had that every night, like three or four nights. And then you shot yourself. Uh, more other people more than me. Let's just say that. Oh, I, wow. I reacted that is relatively. actually... Uh, I'm going to call you both on that one. He's Mafia. <laughs> no, that, well, speaking of Mafia, have you played One Night Werewolf before? I have, yeah. I think so, at least. I've this played is, Werewolf. I don't know if it was One Night. No. So yeah. One Night Werewolf, I'm just going to say this right now, is the best party game ever invented. It's not even close. It's There's the some, second best, probably, behind what's number code one? names. Code no, no, no. We had code names. What Nobody wanted God-like to play it. What a godlike game. It is the best game. You're a goddamn it's nerd. So you know that? I know. I know. You don't but laugh. I'm a good as... kind of nerd. So anyway, we played so much One Night Werewolf that the hotel actually banned us from playing anymore. So we might be looking for a new hotel for Midas Mo. We'll see. Wait, what? Because you were taking <laughs> up space or what? <laughs> we're just too loud. <laughs> Having oh. too much fun, you know? Right. Yeah. But, That's not uh, allowed in Denver. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, weed is though, of course. Um, but oh. yeah, the the event itself was a lot of fun. I got to, you know, you know, I've been away from Dota for quite a while, and mm-hmm. I finally got to just sit down and watch games. I watched almost every single main event game, and 
I learned a lot and it got me so much more excited for Dota, I'm not going to lie. Like did I, you guys cast or did you watch the casts? So it was we had a little bit of like normal casting with like Moxie and Gareth. Uh-huh. Uh, but when I was involved, which is probably like two thirds of the broadcast, it's just like summit style on the couch. Okay. So not super hyping it, but occasionally calling team fights. But um, yeah, I I'm not gonna lie. I I really really enjoyed watching Dota again, and I can't say that that has been the case for the last year. Uh, it's because you're an OG fan. OG and Liquid. Liquid is basically right, Team Middle East. So I uh, this this is true. So there is one more thing which I'm just going to hint at right now just for a future episode. There is an absolutely unbelievably hilarious thing that happened, but I can't talk about it yet, guys. You're going to have to wait for next week, hopefully. Damn, what a cliffhanger in the yep. middle of the episode. <laughs> cliffhanger. Um, All right. Wait, one more thing. How, yes. What was the audio? Hello? Hello? Oh, God, is that me? Can you guys hear me? Okay, I'm back now. All right. It's I you. Just, my, inter- my internet died for like 30 seconds. I'm back now. You Perfect. Typical okay. Denmark or Danish. You, are, we, are we normal again? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay, we're normal. Okay, so I asked uh, what the crowd interaction was like. Like if you had a good crowd, if people had fun, if it was like what it was like compared to other events with crowd. Yeah, I think it was much more intimate, which is what we're kind of going for. I mean, I wouldn't say a ton of people showed up. I'm not going to, it's not like it was packed. Mm -hmm. Like this is a huge Uh venue, tons of computers. So a lot of people were playing on the side. Then you have this little section roped off for like watching the games and whatnot. And, you know, like Mm -hmm. I want to say 50% of the time that I wasn't on panel or casting, I was in the crowd, just, just sat down on a couch and started watching and people would just come up and start talking and... I don't know. It, it it didn't feel like um, what's the best way to put it? like TI. If I was at TI and we just interact with fans, it's just very brief. Autograph here, autograph right. there, whatever the case may be. This is more you're actually having conversations with people, which I found um, much more engaging. I guess is the best way to put right. it. It was. I liked it. It was quite good. It's, it's. I can kind of relate to that with what happened with the development of TI because when we used to be in um, Benaroya Hall for TI two and three. It was a totally different atmosphere. Like people right. were much more conversational. You were like closer to fans. You were closer to other teams and broadcast crew and everything. And then when they moved to a bigger venue, that's that's the price you pay. You lose that intimacy, yep. but you get the size. So that's cool. That's good to hear. That sounds like it was fun. Yep, it was. Right. Okay, so let's move on to TI Nine itself. I believe the end prize pool was 34 million 323,968 my prediction of 35 million just a little short but fucking close enough cinder and let's be real okay i, I don't remember right. what my prediction was was it 31, was or, 31 or 32 it was okay. wrong whatever it was yeah okay okay um, rub it in upper so group <laughs> stage i guess i should first mention was considered the best group stage of all time would you agree with that most competitive mm, most competitive yes Okay. I guess it, it depends on your metric. Then that's also the best, right? I suppose. Yes. So yeah. Okay. Okay. I can agree. So upper bracket, the teams were LGD, VP, Vici Gaming, TNC, OG, Newbie, Team Secret, and EG. By the way, I should have mentioned, although you guys should know, there's going to be spoilers. Obviously, I mean, come on. I mean, Twitch already yeah. spoiled it for everybody, right? With that, uh, <laughs> that, was, that was a great. That was a. That was an alpha move by Twitch. That's pretty fucked. Oh, by the way, I should have mentioned for the jungle jam. It was really hard. 
not spoiling myself. I couldn't go on Reddit or Twitter for 90% right. of the event. Like I was at first I was like I'm probably not going to be able to do that, but I actually did it. Didn't spoil myself. I was proud. But you spoiled yourself in the bathroom. That's another story, Cinder. So okay. in the end, um, Nip and Chaos got completely Sorry, last I meant place. soiled. I meant soiled. Sorry, go on. Yep. Thank you. Well, Nip no and problem. Chaos also soiled themselves by getting last place and just didn't make it through the group stage. So they got 18th, 17th, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Alliance, yep. Fnatic. We can stop at any point, by the way, each line. Up to you. Um Alliance, Fnatic, Keen, and Navi got 13th through 16th. Alliance, their story was very sad. I actually cast this game. Yeah. They yeah. random Gyro instead of banning him because they ran out of time. And I believe the button is the same location, right, for ban and pick? Yeah. So basically, when when you're on the in any phase and it's the last ban of the phase and you have the following pick in the same phase, if you run out of time entirely, you get a blank ban and then it turns into pick. And at the mm -hmm. same second they wanted to ban Gyro, they ran out of time, so they had a blank ban and insta-pick Gyro right. on their ninth pick of the draft, which is a huge shame. I talked to Insania about it. I asked what they were, what they wanted to pick instead, and I think he said he said Axe or uh, who was it? It was Ooh, Axe, Axe or another initiate type offlaner, I think, because they ended up with a lineup where they had very limited catch, and they were hoping to have an offlane hero to do that. Yeah, but, and they so they used they had to use Void, yeah, who's their position one, becoming yeah, a position three. So that's re it was really sad to see, but. Afterwards, because again, we didn't spoil ourselves. Afterwards, we looked at the clips of the cameras and whatnot. It seemed like the team was super supportive and not toxic at all, which is great to see, obviously. So that's. Right. I hope I won't have too many problems. My net just died for 30 seconds again. I'm not sure what's going on. But... 30 seconds? As he disconnects again. So disappointing. <laughs> All right, what is happening with Hi, my Cinderin. internet? Actually, can you please I, fix your shit internet? Huh? I don't know what's going on. Do you want to restart your modem? I really, I, no, it's whatever. Just keep going. The disconnects are like 30 seconds long, so it's not like I'm totally dying. I'm just Good. cutting out. It's not out. like you I'm listen to me it anyway. Keep happening. So, yeah. No, it makes no difference for me. That's <laughs> uh, for the audience. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, um, moving. Yeah, I'll, I'll quickly. I'll just quickly for every team we talk about. I'll just quickly give like my two seconds impression with how they played. Okay. Um, I think Alliance. I expected them to not finish top eight, but the way they got out was obviously a shame. I think they could have won that game if they had a normal draft that they wanted. So they can always have the. They're going to have these regrets of what if, which always sucks. Um, Fnatic, I thought would do better than this based on groups. But they ended up getting less, so that was a bit of a disappointment for them. Keen was very difficult to place. I feel like they were hot and cold in the group, so it is you know if they had a bad best of one, that's how it goes. And for Navi, it was actually probably the biggest shame. They were seven and three in groups, and then they lost six games in a row in groups to get lower bracket, and then they lost the best of one. If they would have won, I think only one of their last six games in groups, they would have got upper bracket, and instead mm. they got last, which is a huge shame for them. Yeah. It was still a great showing, but man, imagine that you're you're really high on getting to upper bracket as an underdog team, and then things just come crashing down, and you lose seven games straight. Yeah, that's, that's rough. Hurt. Super rough. Yeah. Um, going through 9th through 12th, 
VP, TNC, Newbie, and Maneski. Obviously, VP is the big one. They have yeah. just failed at TI time and time again. It doesn't matter how good they are throughout the entire season. It's almost like they're... I talked cursed. to a few people about this. It's not even a curse. I feel like it's they're much more relaxed other tournaments. It almost feels like they don't care about these other tournaments and they end up doing really well. And then TI, they take seriously. Of course, this is just an outside perspective, so it might be horribly wrong, but they take it super seriously and then fail horribly for whatever reason. But that's just the way it goes sometimes. And of course, in later in the episode, we're going to talk about um, potential Hello? roster swaps. Yes. <laughs> Don't worry. I, I bought time for you. I bought time I for you. I can't believe I have no idea what you said. This is going to be a great episode. <laughs> Imagine you listen to a podcast and you hear everything twice. <laughs> Sandra, you, oh, man. I, we, we aren't memeing when you, like when we used to cast, you literally never listened to me. So that we can do That's this. That's not true. See, I just listened to you. That's true. All right, not literally right. then. Um, okay, so I'm not exactly sure what you said, but I'll just quickly again. <laughs> uh, VP, you, you mentioned that the last thing I heard was that you said they play less seriously or take other events less seriously and it makes them better. Yeah. And I really think the pressure gets to them at TI because they're kind of almost cursing themselves by putting so much pressure on themselves instead of playing like they usually do. And that's that's a real thing for some teams that can be a big problem. And maybe VP should have looked into getting a sports psychologist which og had i guess we maybe talk about that later um tnc i think disappointed with 9th through 12th they actually played really well in groups they had a lot of standout games and really good performances but uh couldn't do it on the big stage newbie i think this is probably where you would place them going into the tournament maybe you would even have placed them 13th through 16th so it kind of delivered to expectations but again they had a good group stage so people thought maybe they would get top eight so they started upper bracket and finally, Mineski, I think many people thought would get dead last, and they almost knocked out Secret. Um, arguably, they should have actually knocked out Secret in the lower bracket. So I think it was a pretty good showing from them, especially cool to see like a newcomer like new Nico Baby that pretty much the majority of the audience, I think, didn't even know existed, uh, did this well at TI on his first try. So yeah. he played well, in my opinion. All right, seventh to eighth, we got RNG and Infamous. Obviously, Infamous is the big story here. A South American team gets top eight. Unbelievable. Yeah. A lot of yeah. people picked them to be dead last. Me, uh, me too, actually. I think. What, what are your thoughts on the implications of this going forward for South America in general? Um, I think it's really good because this team gets massive international experience and they're going to bring that home and it's going to, you know, they have a better understanding of Dota than any other team in the region now probably. So other teams can learn from them and get better and it's going to narrow the competition overall. Uh, especially if Valve keeps having at least one designated slot for SA, I think it's important that at some point they step up and start getting results because uh, it's just, it makes the tournaments less competitive if there's always one team that you're just like, this team's going to bomb out last almost every time. So. Yeah. It's super good that they did well. Uh, I think especially their core players were really impressive to me and their support Schofield played super good Dota. Um, I think both Chris Luck and Hector might get offers from NA. We'll see. That's maybe the concern here for SA is did they do too well so that their players get poached and they end up losing their power mm -hmm. position and then it gets overtaken by pain. Uh, but yeah, I mean, awesome tournament for them. And obviously, when it comes to the prize money, they're set for a long time. This is a lot of money in Peru. Yeah. So that's, um, the, yeah. that's the thing I'm a little bit worried about, is perhaps the money will make them complacent. Um, but it could have a... It, 
like the thing that I think it will definitely happen is people that didn't make the tournament that watch them that are in South America will get inspired. That's one thing that will probably happen for sure. It's just will infamous uh, be complacent coming out uh, for this mm-hmm. season? I'm not sure. Like I can't pick. Like yeah, you're right. The money goes a long way in South America for sure. So remains yeah. to be seen. Um, About RNG, um, mm-hmm. I think top eight's a fine result for them. I don't think they were that hot. A lot of people were saying that they would be one of the top guns of the tournament because apparently they had been owning in scrims. But scrims and games are not the same thing. And every single year started, we go through this, right? They started off really slowly, but they did pick it back up and got top eight. And considering how bad their group stage went in the start, where they might even have got dead last, their recovery was pretty decent. It wasn't liquid tier, but it was still really good recovery that they made. So yeah. I think all in all, top eight is a good placement for them, I would say. It's pretty fair. All right. Fifth, sixth, we got EG and Vici Gaming. Vici Gaming obviously was upper bracket to start, and then they just dropped like a rock for the most part. Um, yeah. after winning one series. Uh, EG, obviously very disappointing for them. They're used to getting third place the entire year. Uh, <laughs> something that I noticed, and we'll talk about this on our predictions for roster swaps and whatnot. Uh, they played a shit ton of Sven, Lifestealer. I felt like Arteezy was playing like the same hero over and over. And yep. I know a lot of people on Reddit are blaming Bulba. Like, who knows? I'm not going to put any we, we, blame. It's speculation. Like, Exactly. I I did not like their their drafts felt very transparent and predictable to yes. me personally as a caster. What did you I think? I think that was their biggest weakness. I agree 100%. When we got to the later stages of the tournament, I feel like this generally happens, especially at TI, because the tournament is so long. So if you come in with a handbook of uh, like that's got a couple of key strategies that you want to play, you're going to burn them out and people are going to get prepared for it and do something different. I think that was the reason that the teams that got further did get further was that they were better at adapting. Like they picked up new strategies. They had more heroes they could play. They had the confidence to try something new. Uh, And for the most part, for me, EG kind of stuck to their guns, which they have done at previous lands too. And I think that is the reason they kept getting third was that when they got to this later portion, whereas now it's time to beat the big teams, the other teams just had deeper pools. They had more options. They had more strategies. That doesn't mean it's Bulba's fault. Like, There's some person pressing the buttons on the draft, but it's a team thing. It's about, do the players have the confidence? Do they feel comfortable playing other stuff? Are they willing to say, fuck it, and just play something they haven't played before? Like, Secret all of a sudden are just like, we'll play Nisha Wisp. We think we can do it. We've seen other teams play Wisp, and then they do it and win a game, right? And EG, there there wasn't that, like, surprise factor that you saw from the top four teams that was just missing. Uh, I think... Absolutely. That was the biggest problem. It was it was strategy. I don't think they individually played bad. I think Sumail had an outstanding tournament. I think the supports played super solid. Um, like, all of their players, I think, played some of the best Dota they have all year, and they got 5th, 6th. So, you know, that's got to be disappointing, right? I don't think you can point to anyone and be like, this guy threw their games, that's why they lost. Not really. Like they, they played pretty well. As far as Vici goes... Um, I had them picked to win the whole thing going into the tournament. After the groups, I switched it over to thinking LGD would win. But yeah, Vici Gaming, I wouldn't say they fell victim to the same problem as EG, but a little bit. They also didn't have the biggest depth or make the right decisions and strategy. And they just had a couple of games where they got run over, basically. And, you know, then, then you I feel don't like after they form. won one series in the upper bracket, they just fell they apart after losing to L- LGD. They just got destroyed yeah. by everybody. Um, fourth place, Team Secret, who I picked to win the entire tournament. 
better showing than they've sh- uh, than they had in the past. That's for sure. Obviously, right. they're still disappointed. I personally think that they, I think Yapsor did not look particularly great in a lot of these games. Where I'm, like, it felt like he was playing less greedy than I'm used to seeing him play historically. Yeah, uh, I could agree. With and that. it didn't feel like he had as much impact as a result. But the team yes. overall, I thought they adapted relatively well. Like you said, they picked up Wisp like in the middle of the tournament. I don't know how much uh, they played it, but it it worked out in most of the games. They lost one uh, with that, I believe. But fourth mm, yes. place for Secret overall, uh, still really good showing. And I I'm gonna say this going like into the TI or into the predictions for the roster subs. I feel like they should definitely keep their team as is because it feels like every year they don't. They do well all year long, and then TI is just has is put on this pedestal, right? Which I, we've yeah. had this conversations many a time. But they always switch out like two players, sometimes three, and they, they bring in these these newer players that we haven't really heard that much about that have been on like these tier two, tier three teams, and they perform really well, which you can attribute to Puppy. I feel like is the biggest contributing factor. It's time to just let let it let it sit for another year. I feel like they're going to have even a better year than they had, honestly. Yeah. Um, the speculation that I have heard with Secret is that um, supposedly maybe mid one will take a break. Uh, not sure. Like this is all. There's so much you know fiend or speculation and whatnot going on in the community and among the players. Uh, but I I do think Secret had a really good year as well, and I think changing one player or zero players is probably the best move in my opinion i think if you change the dynamics around too much it's way more of a gamble and you clearly have a recipe that works you had very good placements pretty much every single tournament you played you got top three uh except ti where you got fourth which is you know better than top three in other tournaments because of how fierce the tournament is so Mm -hmm. yeah i think they've had a great year um but yeah if it turns out that mid one takes a break we'll have to wait and see who they get in and if he doesn't yeah i think it's still i think it's still super good so talking about about players uh, yeah exactly so talking about players i think mid one had a rough two days at the start of the main event i think he did not play his best dota at all but he picked it up and that's why they got fourth i think if he hadn't woken up when he did uh, they might not. They would have not beaten Mineski, I think. Yeah, that was. So then they would have got seventh, eighth, because they got two rounds further. They beat Mineski, and then they beat VG, and yeah, I, I think it was important that they got mid one back on track. Not sure what it was, if it was mentality, if he was feeling bad or whatever, but he got back in there and showed what he can do. So that was a good recovery. Yep. All right, so moving on to third place, LGD obviously started out in the upper bracket and then lost to OG in the semifinals. Yep. Uh, they had a very good tournament. I thought for sure it was going to be OG LGD the later the the bracket went. Um, and it should have been. You think so? it should have been. Yeah. Uh, LG, I think LGD would have put up series. a better fight in the finals as well against OG. I agree personally. with that too. So... Based on what, how we saw LGD play against OG, I thought it would have been a better grand final. Like there was a, you know, I'm I'm really happy for Liquid to get second. Like it's an amazing accomplishment. But for the overall tournament in general and what the audience would have been like, it's a bit of a shame, right? That we didn't get a Chinese team in the finals because it's Chinese home soil. The crowd would have been insane for the finals. It would have made for a different experience. Like whether you're an LGD or an OG fan, it's just more fun when there's like super high engagement from the crowd, whether you hate them or love them, right? Just the fact that they're cheering for some team, then you can cheer against them. That's also great. Um, you know, it's kind yeah. of funny because from my perspective, I love both teams. Like the top three teams in, like in no particular order that I like are Secret, mm-hmm. OG, 
and Liquid. So seeing them both yeah. in the finals, I don't even know who I'm rooting for. <laughs> I'm happy either yeah. way, honestly, right? And, but yeah, and that's the I thing. Is, is that a better viewing experience than if you're rooting for one team over another, right? right? That gets you more invested in the finals. And I found myself in a similar situation as you where in this final, I was like, okay, there were the, there were two things in this tournament that I was primarily rooting for. Number one, that a Chinese team would be in the finals because I, the crowd would have been crazy. And number two, that we didn't have a repeat winner. And I got neither in the finals. So it was like, one of these two teams will have a t- will have multiple two-time champions and there's no Chinese team. So for me personally, like it, it was great Dota and OG were fucking amazing, but it, it there could have been, it, I feel like it could have been more exciting with that factor um, mm-hmm. playing in. But yeah, so what I was saying is I think LGD should have ended up in the finals. They were up 1-0 against Liquid and they were up really high. They had a big lead in game two. They dropped the ball on one push. Liquid got back in the game and then they ended up taking it and then they crushed them game three. It was like they were they got way too crazy in the draft. Like, I think the draft that LGD brought to that third game was like doomed almost to lose. Which what was, was a shame. Like, you don't want to I remember. Go out like that. I remember thinking the that, same thing. They had a weird lineup. That Shadow Fiend Void. Um, oh yeah, Shadow Fiend was the weird one. Yeah, I don't yeah, think I'd seen it all tournament. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it got dumpstered. Like it feels yeah. like these heroes that have been played. You always see these comebacks, right? And Shadowfiend is just not a comeback here. If he dies, you got to get these half, half your souls back again. It takes time to He's get back up. He's a reverse comeback again. hero. He, it's a very weird hero. Um, it's something I talk about sometimes. There are heroes in Dota where you feel like when you die, you die twice. And Shadowfiend is one of them. Yeah. It's very momentum-based. All right. So yeah. second place, as we alluded to, is Team Liquid. They started out in the lower bracket, best of ones, and they barely yep. got out of that first game. And they completely dumpstered everyone. They 2-0'd everyone until the lower bracket finals, which, as you talked about, was a 2-1 against LGD. Weeha played incredible. They picked Meepo for him at times, which was always thrilling to see. Uh, Really happy for him. Yeah. So this is the thing. I, I was saying this on the panel for our event. His TA back in the day was not good. So I didn't know what to expect. I was like, eh. I feel like that's more of a miracle hero, but I have to say, Weeha played really fucking well on TA. Yep, I think they picked it too much in the finals, personally. They, but yeah. it is what it is. But you can read into that what you want, right? It's one thing is you're confident with this guy, but it could also mean that Liquid felt like they were a little bit cornered with Weeha's options. Like maybe his hero pool wasn't as big as they would have liked. Because then mm. I think they would have picked a bigger variety if they felt like, oh, we can put Weeha on any of these 10 heroes and he's going to shine. So perhaps there's something there. That's again, it's speculation. Maybe they just thought TA was that good, but no other team did. That's why. Like the hero yeah. wasn't even rated high by literally any of the top eight teams. I don't think anybody even picked it mm-hmm. except Liquid in a single game. So that was very different. But yeah, I mean, second place for Liquid. I think they should be super happy and proud. Obviously, it sucks falling short by one game and Kuro's dream of being the first player with two wins together with his teammates. Uh, it probably sucks getting that far. But if you take a step back and you look at how your tournament started and how everything went, after day after the group stage was over, if you put Kuro on the spot and said, hey, you could take second place right now, would you do it? I don't know if you would say yes or no. Like He's a really fierce competitor. He's playing for the win, right? But mm-hmm. objectively speaking, that was a crazy good result with how their yep. event started. So I think they should be super happy. Agreed. Um, and of course, yeah. the TI9 winners, OG, two years in a row, the first double TI winner, uh, of course, in the finals, they went 3-1. It should have been 3-0. That first game Arguably. was a complete throw. 
I guess. Well, okay. Okay. Liquid let me, fluid let me just first, explain. right? If you want to look at it that way. Okay. But it, it was more. Okay. So at the end of the game, for those that didn't watch it, uh, they, what was it? They, um, Liquid had just gotten pushed against from OG. They almost took the throne or was close. They got like the tier threes, I believe. And then they killed a bunch of OG's heroes, most of which had buyback. So Liquid starts pushing towards their base. And as they're in the base, Spectre, which is the carry, Ana, has buyback the entire time. He doesn't use it until like five seconds before the throne dies. And I, you could, you could argue that made no difference in theory or in practice or whatever the case may be, considering you're going against a Meepo, but you just never used the buyback, which is really weird. I think the game call from OG, they knew exactly what was going to happen 30 seconds before it did. So they were talking about what we want to do is we'll let them start on the towers. And then when Jerex is about to respawn, we buy back Ana and we take the fight. Because if OG win that fight in their base and Liquid commit to try to end the game and then they fail the fight, they lose the game. Yep. If you buy back Ana early, Liquid can back off, control the map, get Roshan, and then you're in trouble. So... Mm-hmm. You're playing for that high value play, which I think is great. I think they just did the math wrong. Like they underestimated how fast Liquid could end the game. So Ana bought back too late. But the idea of what OG were trying to do, I think is just objectively the best play to bait Liquid in so much that you can force that fight. Mm-hmm. If you lose the fight, you lose the game. If you win the fight, you win the game. But like it's better than buying back really early and having them just back off. So uh, yeah, just, um, you know, the reason it stands out so much is that OG had like no glaring mistakes apart from that the whole tournament. <laughs> yeah. Pretty so, much. And, and the, they recovered the crazy really thing, easily. That, that's the thing. The fact that they recovered as if nothing had happened. You talked about their psychologist. I mean, that had to have something yeah. to do with it, I'm sure. The entire tournament, they just dumpstered everybody. It felt like they were abusing heals. Like every lineup has like a Pugna or like uh, Chan, tri- uh, whatever the case may be. Some kind of like healing mechanic, even Wisp. Just unbelievable. They 10 heroes that played on regeneration. OG yeah. have this... Um, they did something similar last year. They have this ability to go into the tournament with an idea of a mechanic that is really powerful. And the mechanic this year for them was definitely regen and healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had Io, Chen, uh, Enchantress, Omni Knight, Abaddon, Alchemist, uh, a couple more. You mentioned two or three more as well. Um, that's just Triant. Um, they play all these heroes that also part of, in part have damage mitigation, such as Omni Knight with the status resistance and treant with the living armor and io with overcharge um, and similarly last year og had this realization of how powerful damage mitigation was they ran io they ran specter uh, they ran enchantress again with the untouchable like there were a couple of things again that overlapped that they just understand super well how to play around and how it has an impact on the game this year they also ran juggernaut even without magnus they had a couple of games where they used jugger to push with healing ward and alacrity with invoker Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they just, they seem to have a very good, I don't know who is the leader of this in the team, uh, the lead, how to say it, theory craft or whatever you want, but a lot of credit to the guy who built their strategies because they were extremely sound and very resilient is it against true that a lot of the teams. Somebody was talking about this. I couldn't tell if they were actually kidding that when Ana was taking a break and he was party queuing, he would just spam mm-hmm. IO carry just in like his, just for fun. And that's how they came up he with that strat. He has a really high win rate on the hero. He likes Io. It was, it, as far as I understood, Ana suggested it in the first game they played. He was like, I want to play Wisp this game. And then they were like, okay, Ana, you know, let's play Wisp, <laughs> I guess. See, that's then, the cool thing, is that they just have this cool, this really nice attitude for that kind of thing, right? I mean, yeah. Topson kind of is usually the wild card, it feels like. I mean, he went 
I think he had 17 kills in like 16 minutes in one of the games in the finals on Pugna. It was like the fact yeah. that they're diving tier twos and tier threes literally 10 to 12 minutes in the game is unreal. It's it shows a super good game understanding because they yeah. didn't do that every game. They did it in the right game. Right. In that game, Liquid had Tide Enigma. They had like super long cooldowns that are ultra greedy early on and they had like Monkey King Ember. You just fucking go like... I think that was that game was a pretty big outdraft if Liquid lose the lanes, which they did. Like you just have nothing mm-hmm. to work with. They just got run over. So yeah. OG were fucking good. I'm really impressed. I didn't think they were gonna do this well. I don't think anybody did really. Uh yeah. I mean, sure, people there were people predicting OG to win, but probably more wishful thinking than feeling like they are clear favorites. Well, I think uh, if anything, it, so. if nothing else, this proves that last year was not a fluke, right? Yep. Very, I, this, this whole very fluke impressive. thing. This whole fluke thing is a joke anyway. It's a it's a 10-day tournament. You play against tons of teams. You have to show super good resilience. You need to beat the best teams in the world. You can't fluke a win. Like the whole thing is just absurd. Like it doesn't make any sense. You could fluke a win if it was one day, right? If it was a one-day tournament, you get a little bit of lucky. You win a couple of games that you weren't supposed to win, but OG fucking fought tooth and nail last year. And they played so well in so many games. Like people writing it down to luck are just honestly they're just haters. Like that's all you can say. Okay, you don't I, win this tournament by luck. It's I, just not a thing. I agree for the most part, but I do think that you were able to fluke your way to a good result at TI for sure. Just yeah, based on a win? few... A win, that's another story. That's, yeah. If you're only... I mean, the idea was that... no, or Not no but OG was only good for that tournament and the rest of the just didn't do anything. And it's kind of the same this year, right? They took a break. Anna wasn't even part of the team for like, what yeah. was it, four or five months? But, I mean, maybe that's what teams are going to do now. They're going to take a break after TI for till like, December or January. Well, and if everybody does it, they're up. not all going to win. So, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's not going to work like that. Um, okay, so moving on, some heroes that kind of caught my eye. I didn't literally look at any mm-hmm. specific statistics, but uh, Carrie Io we talked about. The tiny void combo is... This is such a cool idea. So, void, usually the carry hero. Tiny could be played in pretty much any position. But tiny, like... The way that mid one played it was amazing. He would, I mean, uh, not that this was unique by any means, but I just felt like he did it the best. Play it like the old tiny where you get blink dagger, echo saber, all that stuff. You just burst heroes constantly throughout the game. You're always in front. Then once you get this, once Void actually starts getting going, then tiny gets an axe and then his role completely changes. I can't think of another hero in the history of Dota that you go from the front line to the back line. It's such a cool yeah. concept. You chronosphere, you throw these fucking trees with your Daedalus, and you just destroy everybody. It's such a sick-ass combo. Really, really so, enjoyed watching that. Very broken, and will absolutely get nerfed. <laughs> Tier. Yes. Okay. I think there's absolutely zero fucking way that Ioax and Tinyax don't get nerfed really hard. They are stupidly broken right now. And that's, I think, perhaps... Like when we talk about the grand scheme of this tournament, um, I think perhaps part of the reason for me that I didn't feel like it was um, the greatest TI of all time or whatever when it came to game quality mm-hmm. later on was I think the pool of overpowered heroes was too big this year. And I think it's a natural thing that ends up happening when you introduce so many new things. Every hero gets an eggs, you rework heroes, you rebalance heroes, and all of it collides in this big event where everybody comes in with prep. There's going to be a handful of things that are just ridiculous. But this year, the list of heroes that were overpowered actually became, in a, in a way, it was a bit of a shame because it made some drafts, I feel like it was very predictable for the most part, what ended up happening toward the end. 
yeah. a bit similar to TI4 vibes where the group stage was crazy good. The first state, uh, the first state of the main event was also great. And then the closer we got to the end, you just realized, okay, Death Ball is just better. And these 10 heroes just trump everything else. And then the grand mm-hmm. finals was four 20-minute stomps, right? And in, in this tournament, toward the end, everybody knew what the six broken heroes were. So the draft bans was pretty predictable. And OG just had a couple of more options. And it made their games a lot easier, I think, uh, to draft and play. So that, to me, is a little bit of a shame. And the thing is, you can't really be mad at Ice Frog and the beta team for it. Because a lot of the things that turned out to be imbalanced, people were not complaining about leading into the tournament. Like, there wasn't, like, massive outrage. Wow, carry IO is broken in pubs. Or IO Ags is ridiculous. Or Tiny Ags is stupid. Like, none of it. It just happened during the event. I mean, are and these then, things that teams are holding on to, strat-wise? I don't know. Like, that's always going to be a speculation. I think sometimes you can save strats to an extent, but at the same time, you definitely want to burn a strat to get upper bracket. You definitely want to burn a strat once you're in the upper bracket to stay in that upper bracket and win the games. So hmm. I think a lot of the stuff kind of just got discovered along the way. Um, I mean, Kerry Io was on yeah. the group stage pretty early on, right? Yeah. So OG that, played it in two or three games. I felt like... But, OG was not holding on to any strats. They just shit on everybody. Yeah. Uh, another combo I mean, that uh, Liquid came out with, by the way, was Alchemist, Darkseer. Darkseer was like almost unpicked until that point. And then a bunch yeah. of teams started trying it. The surge with Alchemist getting a fast radiance was super fucking strong. Uh, and I yeah. enjoyed watching it personally. Yeah. Alchemist was super busted this tournament as well. Uh, Good. Ended up That's being my the most banned. Ended up being the most banned hero. Uh, we did not expect that whatsoever going into the tournament, but he just reached a stage now where Alchemist is a strange hero because compared to, like, when you think about it, you break Dota down, it's a numbers game. In essence, it's a numbers game. It's about efficiency, it's about trade offs, and what you end up getting. It's just the numbers are extremely complex, so it doesn't, Dota never really gets solved, if you know what I mean. Like, there's mm-hmm. too many factors. But Alchemist, more than most heroes, is really a math hero. It's like, how much gold do I get compared to everybody else? And can we protect the area so that I get far enough ahead and carry the game on my own? And that means when you tweak an ability like Grievous Greed just by like 10%, it can totally change the hero because that equation just doesn't favor you as much or more anymore. Um, And at this event, Alchemist was just like, he just got too much fucking gold. Like, what can I say? (laughs) The hero's just, it's too rich in the game you can't keep up and I mean, here's it the gets thing. harder to push towers so. here's my plea to not uh, nerf him too hard the concept is broken in general it's one of those heroes that's very hard to balance I feel like yes but he's very entertaining to watch Cinderin. okay possibly um, I think there's a couple of heroes like that a lot of people think it's entertaining to watch techies they're stupid uh, but they exist <laughs> um Every I, I once pers- in a I while can- in a pro game, it is fun to watch a tech is because you don't get to see it around. But consistently, no. I I consistently love watching Alchemist. I don't know if I'm weird. It's fun. Man, I don't know. I I think the I conceptually dislike the hero's design. I think Dota has incredible hero design, and I think maybe out of all the heroes, there are like five heroes perhaps that I conceptually dislike, and Alchemist is just one of them. Wow, that's really uh, disappointing to hear. I just lost. I really dislike Alchemist as a concept. I dislike Brood as a concept. Uh, I dislike Techies as a concept. There You're was putting a, probably Alchemist like in the same three. tier as fucking Techies? Come on. He gets asked for people I, I sometimes. Didn't, I, didn't, I didn't say I dislike him more than Techies. I was talking about the heroes I conceptually dislike. Right, what if you if... want to rank them, Techies is number one. That's the okay. hero I dislike the most. I love Absolutely these rankings. No yeah. No question. Good. 
But, he's on his own yeah. tier, right? Yes. He's on his own yeah, three I tiers. Mean, overall, to close this off with the heroes, I think uh, there were tons of played heroes. There were tons of banned heroes. We had a great variety. There were only three heroes that didn't get picked. Unfortunately, my bike clockwork is one of them, which kind of sucks. Uh, I love that hero. I think he's super fun to watch and play. He's just not in a good spot right now. Um, but... Yeah, like the variety, it reminds me of TI4, right? And people just, the, the curse of this with TI is that a lot of the times people remember the late, the later stage of the tournament, right? People are saying TI4 mm. was the worst TI of all time because the finals day was stomps of 20 minutes. And this year's TI had a lot of fucking amazing and really exciting games. But unfortunately, when it got to the end with OG, the grand finals was not that exciting. Like the games were not that exciting except maybe game one because OG were just destroying. Like the games were fast. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, relatively predictable because they just they figured it out, right? Um, I think and that's this... where the really memorable finals are with the really close tooth and nail games where they could go either way. Like three two last year, that finals was fucking incredible. Last yeah. year's finals was infinitely better than this year, of course. And it just plays a big role in people's perception of how good the event was, which is you know it's down to luck largely. What teams get in the finals, what patch it is, uh, you can try to balance it, but you can't cover all your bases. So, I wouldn't compare still, this to TI4 personally. I think it was still a lot better than TI4. The finals? Yeah. Do you think I know you what you're gonna say. this was a much better finals if it was two Chinese teams? Based on the fact that... perception would have been different? I think it would have been worse, no doubt, but it still mm-hmm. wouldn't have been as bad as TI4. TI4 was just super... It's literally, you win... Like, they weren't even letting the buildings die. You remember what happened. They would just concede when a tier two was killed. Literally. Tier two's killed after a team fight. GG. That was horrible. That's like the worst Dota tournament I've ever or the finals I've ever seen for any tournament ever in any mm-hmm. meta. So this one, yes, it was better no matter what. But yeah, I agree. It was definitely more enjoyable knowing that one of the teams that I liked would win. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So That's, there's a couple of contributing factors, but I mean, still, regardless, it was absolutely overall. If we take a step back and just look at the entirety of the tournament in terms of game quality and how many good games we had, it was probably top three TI in game quality. It was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we could have just had that carryover into the final day, it would have been so fucking great and also an awesome showcase of our game for you know a lot of new viewers or beginning players. Uh, it's always like. The hype of the casters, I think, plays a really big role to new viewers at getting invested. And the games just weren't as hype as they could have been. There weren't these right. like epic moments as much. So, Yeah, still great, though. Uh, so for the unplayed heroes, you mentioned Clockwork, also Coddle and Ursa. So three heroes not yep. played. Any of these surprise you at all? I mean, I'm surprised that somebody played Undying. What the hell was that about? I didn't see the I game, think... but... I honestly think going into the tournament, if you were chosen, if you would have told me to choose five or ten heroes that would be unpicked, I would have maybe put Ursa out of these three, but not the other two. I thought mm. they would see a little bit of play at least, but yeah, just not the case. But the good news about that is probably my boy Clockwork will get buffed and maybe Coddle. I like both heroes, and Ursa is one of my favorite uh, characters, so that's great. How about making Clockwork feel good to play? Forget about damage and mana cost and all mm. that garbage. Make him feel not a, like a clunky pile of garbage with cast times and all that. That would be great. Well, they removed the cast time on his first spell. That didn't on change On battery much. assault? Okay. Yeah, it has zero cast point now. Time for... Uh, cast it while Time running. for cogs to get no cast they time. Buffed, they buffed Hookshot, too, before TI. They gave it more stun on level one. 
It went from 1 to 1.5. Also didn't change anything. Just make every one of his skills instant cast. Then he'll be fun to play against, Cinderin. But there's a couple... I I feel like there's a couple of problems. There's like one underlying nerf that I never realized until I read a comment about it, which was... You know there was this patch that changed the minimum melee range? No. So every melee hero except Doom and Monkey King used to have 128 range. Okay. And then there was a patch that increased the minimum melee range of all heroes to 150, mm-hmm. but it didn't increase the range of the cogs. So it means melee uh, heroes can break them from the outside. Uh, and in the past, they couldn't do that. So if you caught a hero in cogs, all their melee teammates couldn't help them. Now right. you can help them get out. He gets super fucking hard countered by four staff, which is a great item right now. Um, it's just some underlying problems. This Honestly, there's plenty of ways you can buff clockwork. You could make the cogs have three health once again. They have two on all levels, which is a mega nerf. No. Um, yeah, you I could thought it was two, uh, two, two, three. With is that not the case? It used to be, but now it's just two on all levels. Oh. Hmm. That was a massive nerf to the hero, uh, and they got massive mana cost increase. Like this spell used to be literally twice as good as it is right now. It used to cost fifty mana instead of eighty. It used to have eight health on or three health on level four. It used to mana burn more. Like everything about it just got worse. I think. Hmm. Um, and he was in a, at that point. It was a very strong hero, no doubt. He just he got hit too hard, but it's difficult to balance. So I'm sure he'll get a nice little buff. I love are the you, hero to death. It's one of my favorite heroes of all time. Are it's you expecting a right huge patch? By the way, yes, absolutely. How long? One to two weeks, I think. Really, that's it. That would okay. be my guess. Yeah, I think in one to two weeks we get a really big balance patch, and then I would expect the Spitfire patch to drop. In two months, maybe. And then the... What's it called? One or two months for Spitfire, and then longer for Void Spirit. But I guess we'll talk about them soon. What? Well, they're going to come out at the same time. Anyway, we'll talk about that in a second. Okay, well, just remember that we're having this conversation. So, uh, OG. uh, We obviously talked about them already. Do you think they're the greatest team of all time, and is No-Tail the greatest player of all time, based on the fact that there was a stat that came out today that didn't fully realize of all the tournaments in Dota 2 history that have been $3 million or more, which there are 12, No Tail has won half of them. That's four majors, two TIs. OG and No Tail. Greatest of all time or no? I have to quickly apologize. All of chat's calling me out for calling the hero Spitfire. It's, of course, called Snapfire. I'm very sorry. What is Spitfire? What is that from? I don't know. I think maybe it's a weapon in a shooter or a different game or whatever. I don't know. Um, but anyway, uh, Spitfire is a thing, though. I'm not just randomly saying that for some reason. It's a plane, it's apparently. A, it's, it's a fighter plane as well. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah. So back on track. Um, I think out of these two statements, the one I agree with more is probably No Tail being the greatest player of all time, if you had oh. to pick one. Okay. Um at least in Dota 2. Like, it depends on what perspective you're taking. If you're thinking all of Dota history, I don't think any of the players from OG are my greatest of all time. Um, but if you take Dota 2 in isolation, I think this is a super good case to make for No-Tail. Not, be- not because he won two TIs, but because of what you said. He won a lot of big tournaments. And that's something I think people don't put a lot of stock in is that when they talk about great players and whatnot, they're always focusing on TI. And yes, it's the greatest tournament, but there's so much more going on throughout the year. There's so many other big tournaments with high-tier competition and really difficult matches. Um, but the fact that No-Tail has won four majors and two TIs, that puts him 
like absolutely top three best Dota two player of all time. With that that kind of results, you just can't argue against it. Han uh, boys. Two TIs. So, for example, <clears throat> let let's try to challenge the statement. Right. Let's say if you had the logic that it was all about TI, is Topson the best mid player of all time? No. He has won two TIs and no other lands. No. Right. So if you think about it that way, and you then transfer that to team. OG as a team, the current roster have only won TIs. They've won nothing else together. Yeah. Um, but the brand has a lot of wins. And the you know, the repeating part of that brand is No Tail and Seb. Uh, I think has Jerex won one of the majors with them? I'm not sure if he did. Two, I think. He won two of the majors with them? Yeah. Okay. So the I mean, original OG won well, two right? majors, then the next iteration with won Crit. Two. Right? Crit and the Miracle. original OG was with yeah. Crit and Fly. Yeah. Crit Miracle then, Fly. Yes. So, like, the constant in this is no-tail. For sure, he's been there for all of it. Seb has been there for most of it, and Jerex has been there for a lot of it. Well, most um, of it for Seb great. was as coach. Just need to throw that out there, of course. Ana also won two majors, people are saying. That is also true. Yeah, he was part he of the second He joined after, after Miracle, yeah. Um, I always Statements like these are always really hard, I think. Um, but I would say... I think OG as a brand is the greatest team of all time in Dota 2. Yes. Uh, because agreed. of all their tournament wins. This current iteration, is that the best team ever? I don't know. They've won two TIs, but nothing else. Arguably, in a way, previous OG iterations have had higher land win rates than this team and qualifier mm-hmm. rates. The old team with Miracle or the old team with Ana while Fly was still playing arguably had more powerful runs that lasted longer. They were like consistently top of the circuit for half a year or almost a year and just had bad TIs. But apart from that, they were fucking amazing. So it depends what you put so the stock So you can in, also right? like put EG in the mix, right? They got top three one year, first year, first the next, then top three again, and I believe top three again. Is and that more impressive? And plenty of land wins. Right, and plenty of land wins in between. So it just I mean, depends it, it, on your criteria. Exactly. That's why I'm saying these statements are so hard to make. Because if you look over the course of the entire game, I would say no. But I think this is the single greatest accomplishment ever to win two TIs in a row, which right. is insane. And it's with the same roster. So that's fucking incredible. Um, yeah, I think yeah, I would if, agree if they with go, If they no go tail. on to have another, if they go on to have a good year now or get multiple land wins or play really well throughout the year and being a fierce competitor and not only a TI, I think they're a definite candidate for just the greatest five-man team ever. Um, But yeah, somebody in chat, they're talking about Alliance. I think they're also a good candidate for best team ever, right? Mm Because they had an insane TI run. They were incredible leading into TI, and the following year, they were also dominant. Like Alliance were super good. So there's a difference time. between, in my opinion, and again, criteria is going to change from person to person, between best player slash team of all time and most accomplished player slash team of all time. Like mm-hmm. in the NBA, Bill Russell won 11 championships, I believe. Nobody else mm-hmm. comes even close, but nobody considers him the best of all time. So it's just really yeah. dependent. So I would consider No-Tail minimum top three player of all time. Like if you just talk about yeah. captains alone, No-Tail, Kuroki, Puppy, probably in that order honestly yeah probably the, yeah, the only issue is no tail maybe not so much early in his career puppy has been very consistent throughout his entire career Kuroki was a little bit shaky at the beginning and now has come on strong obviously so i think puppy and kuro are just they're really good candidates for greatest player of all time because they've played every single ti <clears throat> they have won they have played for multiple 
top teams in Europe throughout the entire last nine years, they have always been consistently players to be scared of and that are playing in finals, that are winning lands. In Dota 1, they were the be- two of the best players in the West. There was one point when Koro was regarded as the best player in the world on core. He's played multiple roles. He's always been like, you know, th- that's the kind of thing you're up against. And time is not on your side as no-tail, right? Because you didn't play Dota 1 and you didn't play the first couple of years in Dota 2, which arguably makes it all that more impressive what he managed to do with the amount of time he's had in the game that he played Han before. So, yeah, I'm going to be biased uh, but, because yeah. of the Han aspect, but the one thing I will mention... Uh, Kuroki has a, a bit of this as well, but I don't think his success was on the same level as No-Tail. But No-Tail has played... We were just talking about this the other day. I think I've seen him play competitively and been successful at four out of the five positions, which is fucking yeah. incredible. Like, I think position three is the only thing I don't remember ever seeing him do. Uh, but one, two, four, five. That is yeah. that is mind-boggling. That is You don't see that at all. Like you saw Sumail, who's considered the best mechanical player of all time, or at least the goat from some, for some people, switch to position three and it just wasn't the same. But Notel's yeah. done that, you know. And I, for me personally, I, if I had to pick a player, if I had to choose right now, the best player of all time, I probably p- pick Notel. But there's a little mm-hmm. bias for sure. Sure. Um, so yeah. Okay. Okay. That was a long talk yeah. on that. Let's move on. Uh, so I want to talk about this little drama at TI, Cuckoo getting booed and harassed. Right. Um, what were your thoughts on this? So, well, I'll let you go first. Go ahead. Okay. So, like, the perspective on this, I think the, the issue is a little bit complex because I don't think booing is inherently bad. Um, I think booing people in sports or in spectator, whatever it is, is something that generates drama and tension and makes it more exciting and interesting to watch. So I don't think booing is inherently bad. Uh, if people have given you a reason to boo for them, if they've shown like character traits that you disagree with, such as racism or arrogance or uh, talking down to the local teams, like saying, for example, if you go into Chi and you make an interview and the interview asks you, what are your expectations? And you're like, China is shit. Of course, they're going to boo you in the arena, right? Like, what do you expect? Uh, so I have no problem with the booing. The thing that's a really big shame is that they booed the entire team. Uh, so it wasn't like what you could have done as the audience is when the player introductions came on the screen and Cuckoo showed, they could have booed that one, but still clapped for the team walking on. But instead, the entire team just got booed. So all of his teammates ended up, you know, in the same shit, basically, which I think was a shame because I don't think they deserve it. About him, if you feel like he deserves it, that's the other side of the issue. Who was actually the primary problem here? Was it Cuckoo? Obviously, he made a mistake with a statement, but he quickly apologized. But then his, I think the manager of the team tried to cover it up or whatever. And that's when they like made lies and shit. And that's when it got really out of hand and Valve eventually made a statement on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so perhaps Cuckoo is getting more flack than he deserves relative to how big of a part he actually played in the true drama here. Because, you know, there's been people saying stupid shit in pubs and then they apologize and they're like, I'm really sorry. You know, I never should have done that. Seb wasn't booed when he played in Russia the last time. Because he came clear, and he cleared he cleared himself up pretty quickly, and you know, just sincere apology. There was no bullshit. There was no trying to cover it up. And I feel like Cuckoo could have maybe been in a similar position if this shit just hadn't transpired. And I don't yeah, feel like actually. he's, I don't feel like he alone is to blame. So that kind of sucks a bit. So what I'll say yeah. is I agree with you on one side and disagree slightly on another. So the booing, I agree. If I guess this is kind of combines. 
I think if you want to boo somebody, that's perfectly fine. And it makes sense that they booed the team because he's part of the team. It's just like if I do any traditional sport, if I go to an NBA game, Kobe Bryant's playing. I hate that guy's guts. Whatever team mm-hmm. he's on, I will hate that team. I will boo their team. I don't okay. think that's. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think when it gets over the line is when you start being racist yourself and start harassing him outside the game. Uh, yeah, that's I didn't when mention it that part. I'm a hundred. I'm a hundred percent. Like the people that followed him to the booth and shouted at him. That's just not okay. Like that's basically it's it's arguably it's even worse than what he did, right? Because this is in person. It's like it's kind of threatening, you know. It's about personal safety. Yeah. Um, when there's like a mob of angry people running after you, that's fucking terrifying. Like, I wouldn't want that on the worst enemy I have in the Dota scene. I wouldn't want people to run after them and harass them. Like, that's just not a thing. So 100% in agreement with that. I didn't specifically talk about that, but booing and harassment are on two totally different levels for me. Like, one is Agreed. one is sport and the other one is personal and you don't make it personal. Like, so I, so I have to mention, like in traditional sports again, <clears throat> booing somebody is def- definitely different than like calling them stuff like boo literally booing that's fine if you call them a whore or something very personal then that's terrible Mm -hmm. right right uh that's the line that i would draw personally and i think attributing or combining that with the rest of the team that's just standard i feel like that's very normal um Mm -hmm. but it's just hypocritical when they become racist themselves right that's yeah which i don't absolutely i didn't hear any specific stories i just heard that they were being racist so i just I guess I'm just assuming that's true because <laughs> I don't have faith in people in general. So uh, but that's another story. Okay, moving on. Uh, Chinese crowd for the finals. You kind of talked about this before. Uh, it was obviously EU versus EU in the finals. Uh, so they weren't as engaged. I think that was kind of expected. I feel like it's almost like it was kind of like the TI4. I feel like uh, the US audience, they clapped, but the games were not enjoyable. Uh, they weren't as invested. I personally, and at the end of the... When OG won, I saw a decent amount of people still there clapping. I, I thought it was fine. I thought that was a little overblown personally. I don't know how you feel since you were actually there. It's the classic thing, right? With people say they don't want bias, but what they really want is for people to be biased for the stuff that they like, right? Let's be real here. Like that's yep. There would have been no complaints from the Western audience if the finals was LGD against OG and people were cheering like crazy for OG. Because they're the team that they are fans of and that they want. Um, I think the analogy to TI4 is the perfect one where you have a Western audience that is watching two Chinese teams play. And there's a big audience, but people just aren't as invested because they don't care who wins. They want to watch good Dota, but unfortunately the Dota wasn't good. So what do you clap for? Oh, we should also and mention that TI4, they're, like every TI that have been in the US, there's a good sized Chinese crowd as well, though. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so the, the, the majority of noise, really, that was going on during the TI Finals was exactly probably the Chinese fans that were cheering for their favorite Chinese players, which is great. Um, but I mean, like, let's, let's flip it around a bit and let's imagine uh, for a second that this was a TI in, let's say, let's just say it was a TI in US again, and the finals would have been LGD versus RNG. Um, I just... I. I feel like it would have been pretty similar. There would have been some people that weren't invested in the game. Maybe some people that didn't even go to watch the finals would have done something else because they were like, I don't really care who wins. Um, the, the, the remedying factor is if the games are incredible because I truly believe that fans of Dota will cheer for crazy and exciting shit. But the games themselves just, again, 
there were exciting moments, but they were not nearly on the level as, let's say, the TI-8 finals in intensity and excitement overall. So that was a shame. I think the complaints would have been way less severe. Then people would have been like, you know what? Okay, like, yeah, sure, they're not cheering as loud as they would have for LGD. That's fine because they were still cheering for the great plays. But, you know, the games were just kind of you know, largely relatively one-sided, except game one. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like I, I'm, blaming I'm trying people to remember for being... the exact reaction. It's people blaming like, people for being biased for their region. That's just how yeah. it is. That's but it's a like, good thing. Being yeah. biased for your region is good. I don't think there's any problem with that. And it just didn't work out I, that I, it was China versus West, like it usually is. Yeah. Right. And the reason there hasn't been that many complaints about this the previous years is that the last time this happened was TI four. It's the only other time that there was no Chinese team in the finals. Every other TI has had at least one Chinese team and one Western team, which makes for really exciting Dota because people have a clear favorite that they want to win, so they get invested. Right. Um, like my memory of the TI four finals was honestly pretty similar. Like maybe there was a slightly bigger relative audience in terms of how many seats were filled, but people didn't go fucking crazy for the games or were super hyped for the winners and stood there clapping and cheering for fifteen minutes. Like they cheered, they congratulated the winners, and that was it. You can't force people to get excited about something if they aren't invested. Like, the one thing I, I will I, say, I just and don't I know what get, people expect. I didn't get to see the full panorama or whatever, but. I heard people were leaving the stadium. I think that's a little disrespectful to leave. Like, for example, in TI4, mm -hmm. okay, I was casting, so that's maybe a bad example. But if there was two Chinese teams playing, I would, I I came to the event. I'm going to stay for the whole freaking game. I mean, this is just a pet peeve of mine in, mine in general. Like, if I'm at a Suns game and we're losing, people get up early to beat traffic. That, oh, God, I can go on a rant about this for days. I fucking hate that shit. People that leave concerts early just to beat the traffic. Oh, God, it makes me so sick to my stomach. So that part, I understand why people get a little upset. But the mm -hmm. whole being biased, that's just... I feel like yeah. that's normal. That's human like, nature. Yeah, what do you, like, what do you want, right? Because at the same time, <laughs> you don't want... like, uh, Let's say it was a Western final in a Western country. You, you wouldn't want people to cheer averagely because they love each team the same right you want them to be fucking passionate that's what people love is when the crowd goes wild yeah and that's why it would have been amazing if lgd made the finals because that shit would have been so hype and people that wanted lgd to win would have been hype and people that wanted to win whoever their opponents were would also have been hyped because there's the tension and that's just Do you missing. think it would have been it's better luck. for dota if china won this year yes as a whole and i think it I think the bigger thing would have been that they had a team in the finals. I think that would have been more important than the win itself. Okay. Because um, I think it would have showcased the passion of the fans more uh, to have LGD in the finals. People would have mm. been fucking crazy. So, yeah. Yeah, and like, I, mean, I think we shame, both agree that luck, LGD so. would have pushed the... It would have been four to five games of pretty close Dota, I think, against OG. I think so. I think it would have been better. I don't think... Yeah, I don't think Liquid matches up very well against OG. At no. least not... At that tournament, not that not that day exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, All star match. Did you watch this live? I watched the replay. No, that's it. I didn't watch it. I haven't uh, watched it at all. Actually. Okay, so we won't talk about it too much. This it was all random death match. Uh, it was probably the worst show match I've ever seen. It was essentially everyone just running down mid. It's like both teams mm -hmm. just agreed to just die constantly, uh, and whoever came on top with. came on top. Yeah, pretty much. It was yeah. felt like a protest almost against doing show matches. I think I think in con in contrast to that, the best All Star match we've probably had was the one with the crowd, 
where it was 10 versus 10 and they got audience members to play. Is that the because one where Dendi then, was Pudge, dressed up as Pudge? I, th- I think so. Because what you get by doing that is you get people that are super excited to play with their favorite players and they generate, like, they just generate hype, right? Yeah. Um, last year they tried to have, I think they had a $100,000 prize pool for the fucking All-Star match and teams were still not taking it very seriously. So yeah, I think the money incentive doesn't pool. seem to be the solution. Yeah, so I, I would say even though it was a stomp, the one that everyone talks about, it was actually one that I cast was the techies reveal. He was just in the game. Right. Why can't they just have a new hero in the game? That's engaging enough for the audience. Like even if for it's sure. a stomp, that's it's very solution. memorable. And I feel yeah, like they have all true. year to make these heroes, so why not? Yeah, RTC uh, played techies. He had no idea what the fuck he was doing. Yeah, he was horrific. I remember just <laughs> making fun so of him lost. constantly. <laughs> um oh, yeah. So yeah, very, very bad all star match, but uh yeah, nothing interesting. They're gonna about do it, better right? next year. I don't think I think now that they've tried a couple of different things, I think it's probably gonna click what works. And I th- honestly think Valve's approach with trying different things each year is completely fine. It's supposed to be fun. You try something, you find out if it's fun or not. I think the idea they had last game was conceptually really fun, but stuff was just broken. And I mean, I'm just going to say the one it with again. The... They had a 10v10 v10 or whatever it was, or 10v10 yeah. one year. Uh, that was right. two, three years ago. I don't think it... I think all you have to do is just come out with one of these heroes and play whatever mode you want. It doesn't matter if it's shit. It's enjoyable to watch because people want to see a new hero. That's it. It's super simple. Um, but yeah, that's just my thoughts. Anyway, uh, TI-10 will be in Schweden, Stockholm, Stockholm. to be exact. Your thoughts Hell on yes. that? That will be my first TI since TI-1 without jet lag. God, I hope you don't get invited. That'll be so great. Yeah, I, I, I would go in like this is, the, I mean, I will not miss a TI That's and true. I can guarantee you that I will go in any capacity to this, whether I'm playing, if they don't want me casting or analyzing, I would coach if nobody wants me to coach. I would go to clean the floors, you know, like... I was just going to so... ask, if they if they only had the janitor <laughs> position open, would you actually do that? <laughs> I mean, it's just, like, it being in Sweden just makes it so much easier for me, right? Like, How long of a I flight is that for you? To Stockholm, I think I have a direct flight one hour. Damn, that's nice. Uh, and the thing that I'm actually most excited about this TI is this will be the first time I get to attend it with friends in real life. Because I've mm-hmm. been to nine TIs, but I've never been able to share it with them. Right. And they will go. There are multiple of my friends that are super excited that can't wait to go. And that is going to be fucking cool. That's, That's like awesome. the biggest plus for me. Because like the jet lag is selfish and a bit greedy, right? But the other thing is just fucking wholesome for me. Like I really look forward to that. Um, yeah, so that's going to be cool. They they always talk about how they like watch the games and how they think it's cool that I'm part of TI. And when I come home, we like talk about it. And now they get to be there. Um, so that's that's really fucking great. Yeah, and that that's the other thing about it, right? Like it being there, it just also guarantees that, like I said, no matter what, I will attend. Because for me, flying. Let's say I didn't get invited in any capacity to TI in Shanghai. If I wasn't casting, wasn't analyzing, wasn't playing, wasn't coaching anything. I might not go on my own on my own accord because like it's really long trip. It's expensive. You can't break your streak Uh, though. Come on. That's that's I know, but I haven't been put in the situation where I would need to like make that choice, right? Yeah. But just again, hypothetically, if if it were to happen, this would not be the year. So I will keep the streak next year for sure. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of cool. I think I don't know how many people are left. I think it's me, Kuro, Puppy, and DDC. Those are the only four I can think of that have attended every TI. 
and Kuro and Puppy are the only two to play at all of them. But DDC, this was the first year he didn't play, but he was paneling for China. Uh, and I have gone to all of them. So I think it's only the four of us. I can't think of anyone else that's been to all, because Universal Streak broke this year. Uh, has Dendi been to all of them? Or was there one that he didn't attend? Was he in as... Vancouver? Was Navi there? I think, so. I think, I think Dendi might have been to all as well. He played at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, right? Or at least five of those. He, if he has missed, he's missed one year. Hmm. Um, and yeah, there's, there's casters too. That's true. That Chad is pointing that out. There are casters that have been to every TI. Toby has been to all TIs. Yep. Um, Vilat has been to all TIs, I think. Uh, has any caster been to all TIs? No, because it was Toby and Slash doing English on TI1, and it was Vilat doing TI1. They're the I was only there in spirit, Sindarin. Yeah. I was watching Anti-Mage go against Spectre every single game. It was great. <laughs> and I remember Tinker teeping back to base constantly and the directed camera that they had just touted as being amazing. Uh, just followed him every time. <laughs> Very enjoyable. Anyway, uh, all right. So as yep. you guys know, as we know, we did TI9 predictions, and the winner, or I should say the loser, would have to do something that they didn't want to do. Mine is eat a tomato, which I find revolting. And what was yours again? I think I needed to eat like I think was, was it, it cabbage did we end or up something? on boiled broccoli or no we we ended up on Brussels sprouts right boiled right. Brussels sprouts okay so we needed to eat something we dislike so so it's moment moment of truth time <laughs> I'm not feeling too good about this not gonna lie uh, <laughs> all right so we're gonna go through the pages as it were uh, and we'll say hero... which ones we got right yeah? yes that's it. Cool. And we'll just count them okay, each as one point. So hero predictions, yeah. then team, then player, then tournament. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So do you want me to just do the whole thing at first and then you? You do, you do hero prediction page first and then I do my page. Okay. So I did, I got one correct on the heroes. It was the hero with the highest last hit average, which was Naga. Yeah. And, and I you? picked the same one. So I also have that one. And then I got Hero with most, with most kills in a game. I chose Storm Spirit. So that's most, two to one. Fuck. That was my page one. Wait, most... Which one was it? Most what? Kills? Most kills in a game. Storm. So Mail had a 27 kill game. Uh, I hate I you, think it was. What was mine? Okay. Teams. Oh, most, I put TA. Oh, I'm so dumb. Uh, all right, TA teams. had most last hits. That was actually really crazy. I would never guess that. <sighs> Team predictions, I got one. <laughs> uh, team that picks the most different heroes, I got Team Liquid and you. Oh, wow. Uh, I got Team with the fewest deaths in a game. I had Secret. They had a one death game. They won, okay. I think, 18 or 19 to 1. And then I had Team with most assists in a game. I had EG. Oh, my God. So that's also 2 to 1. So 4 to 2. Uh. There's still two categories left. No, I remember I copied you on most of the (laughs) (laughs) player predictions. I got one correct. Which one? Player with most kills in the game. I got Sumail. I'm guessing you did the same. I got zero on this page. Oh, yes. Nothing right. Yes. I have maybe to have most kills in the game. Oh, thank you. Okay, so I'm one behind. 4-3? Yeah, 4-3. Before we go to the last page, what happens if we tie? We don't. What does that mean? I can spoil you that because you told me before <sighs> how many right ones are. I can tell you there's no tie. So we All don't right. need to worry about that. So the tournament predictions, I did okay. Instead of one correct, I got 
six correct. I got the total number of heroes picked, the shortest game, most kills by a hero, most deaths by a hero, most assists by a hero, and highest GPM in a game. So six. I got... Da, 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 da. Seven. Fuck! Right. <laughs> I've got total number of games played, which was 49, so just at the end of the range. Total number of heroes picked, most combined total kills in a game, longest game of the tournament, shortest game of the tournament, most assists by a hero in a game, and highest GPM by a hero in a game. So I got seven out of ten on this page. I think this is my best page ever in predictions, by the way. That's great to hear. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. Very happy. I'm for really you. happy for me, too. Now I don't have to eat fucking Brussels sprouts and I get to see you eat a tomato, which I still cannot believe how that is so disgusting to you. Dude, I, I was eating a burger every tonight, second of this. eating a burger tonight and it didn't say that it came with tomato. So I didn't say hold the tomato it came with a fucking tomato on it. And I, I gagged just looking at it. It's <laughs> disgusting. This so will be good content. I'm this ready. will be. So I guess I'll have to go get a. Do you just go to the store and buy tomatoes? Is that what you do? I, I'm going to go to the store. Yeah leave my house, get a tomato for next week. And how much of it am I supposed to eat? You said a tomato, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know. You're like literally going to kill yourself if you eat a whole one. I've never taken a tomato and just bit into it. I have no idea what's going to happen. I've only seen it sliced. <laughs> you know, what would be really funny is if you do it and then you're like, hmm, this is actually okay. <laughs> Ooh, tastes like ketchup. Mm, delicious. That would be so fucking fun. <laughs> I mean, I hope that happens. Uh, that would be terrific. I'd be a much healthier person, you know? Yeah, just a regular tomato. If you if you want to... Okay, so I can give you some insight on tomatoes, actually. Okay. Depending on... If you want to be... If you want it to be as little painful as possible, my guess is... So can you explain what about tomato you dislike? Because then I can... The taste. Try to tell you what type of tomato... The taste. Okay, That's so it. it has nothing to do with texture. It's just um, strictly the taste. I guess maybe a little bit about texture because it does. I know it is technically a fruit, but I look at it as a vegetable because it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's not sweet. It doesn't taste like what right. I would consider a fruit to be. So, sure, it's a little okay. too juicy for my taste for a vegetable, but mostly the taste is just okay. revolting. So, cherry Uncooked. tomatoes are smaller. The cherry tomatoes are smaller, but more yeah. intense in taste. They're like sweeter, but they taste more like tomato. Okay. And the big tomatoes, the ones that you see in burgers, are the more... Uh, they taste less, but they're bigger. So it, do you want the small, intense amount, or do you want the big, weaker amount where it you depends. need to take more Am bites? I supposed to eat an entire fucking tomato? You are big eating tomato? a whole tomato. That was the bet. You would eat a Did tomato. Did I say that? I would eat said. a whole tomato? You said you... You would eat a tomato. Right, how big sure are the cherry the tomatoes? They're like... Cherry tomatoes are like... How many cherry tomatoes take, do I need to eat? If you take your index finger and you make like a circle... That's how your, big your penis is? Yeah. Exactly. No, if you take your index finger and you make like a circle with your thumb, that's about how big they are. Not on the edge of the fingers, but you have like your index finger to point in toward the first like link, okay. whatever you call that, of your thumb. How many that's of those am I supposed to eat if it's that one? So like this. Okay. I mean, I think chat can decide. Ch- no, chat cannot decide. <laughs> I think terrible. that's a great suggestion. That's a great suggestion. All right. Well, you tell me by the end of this episode. Look, I know you despise tomatoes, okay? So I'll yes. be a benevolent god <laughs> and say, 
You can either eat one big tomato that is <gasps> the whole not thing? very intense, one big, or you can eat two small cherry tomatoes. I'll definitely do the two small the cherry other. tomatoes then easily. They're more intense in taste, and I don't, what I kind of hope, what I kind of hope is that it turns out that you kind of like those and you just dislike <laughs> the shitty burger tomatoes. <laughs> they are so much better. Like cherry tomatoes as a snack is incredible. They're so much better than the other uh, tomatoes. Okay, I will try the cherry tomatoes. I guess. Cool. Ugh. Ugh. Wait, does it come with like a stem or anything? Uh, generally, when you buy cherry tomatoes, you buy them attached to the branch or whatever you want to call that. They're like, you like pluck tomatoes off of a branch, right? Oh, okay. Is that called a stem? It's like a stem yeah. that branches out, right? Yeah, it's uh, a stem. But you just pluck them off. You, do, you don't eat the stem. I know you have very little experience with this, but you just eat the tomato. <laughs> All right, excellent. Thank you so much. Oh, dude, okay. I would have loved to see you eat the stem. Too. <laughs> well, some so people, like, hmm, some people eat, eat the skin of a kiwi, and that is revolting to me. I love that kiwis. That is true. I have never tried that. Yeah, that's and banana. Some people even eat banana skins. The fuck is that about? Yeah, that's, that's weird. Pretty, uh, that's pretty funny. If you guys do either of those things, tweet at us, and then we will make fun of you on the air. Okay, so yeah. let's tweet do a video some... of you eating a tomato as well. I'm sure that'll be turned into something. Uh, roster roster shuffle predictions. We don't have to go to him death on this because I feel like right. by next week we're going to have a lot more information. There's some floating yeah. around right now. I agree uh, with that. But is there anything that you are you want to predict or that you think should happen? Maybe is a better way to okay. put it. Okay. I think the teams... You know what? I'm just going to go through all of the teams and I'm going to say if they make changes or not. Not how okay. many I think or how big they are. But I'll say who I think sticks. So OG stay together. Ana maybe takes a break again. Historically, he does that. We'll see. Uh, NIP and Chaos, I think, will either split entirely or make multiple changes. Alliance will stay together. Navi will stay together or maybe make one change. I think Fnatic will split or make big changes. I think Keen will make changes. I think VP will split really hard. Maybe two players only will stay. The rest will be changed. I think TNC will stay together. Uh, maybe one change. I think Newbie will make two or three changes. I think Mineski will make one or two changes. I think RNG will change two. Infamous will stay together. I think EG will make at least one change, maybe two. Uh, maybe even three, actually. That one's hard. I think EG could be making big changes. Um, yeah, I th I'm going to say three. Vici Gaming will... Make maybe one change, maybe zero. I think Secret, like we talked about, we gave them a bit more time on this. I think maybe one change. Uh, LGD, I don't think will change. They've had another great year. Uh, Liquid might make one change, perhaps. But apart from that, I think they've, they're have they really stable, you know, and they should be happy with their result. So, yeah, that's it. Okay. That's my guess. That's a lot of changes, though. Yeah. Um, so I, it's probably going to be bigger shuffle than last year, actually. Yes, I think so, too. Oh, right. I'm going to go over just a couple teams what I think they should do. And you can agree okay. or disagree. Right. So I believe, first of all, I think Alliance already announced that they're staying together as five, which is great. Right. Um, that's very nice to see. Uh, I think that Virtus Pro, if I could pick two players on their team that are irreplaceable, in my opinion, it's Solo, because captains are just so hard to find, and Ramses. Mm. Right. So I feel like they should be swapping out two to three players on that roster. I think minimum. Solo announced that this would be his last TI. This last one was? Yes. Oh. I could be wrong on that, but I feel like I heard it would be his last TI. Maybe it was a rumor that's unconfirmed. 
Um, but that's why I think he is he might quit or maybe play a bit majors and that's it. I'm not mm-hmm. sure about this at all. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But I think he's absolutely been a huge part of their success. I agree with that. Uh, we talked about Team Secret already. I feel like they should make zero changes and just uh-huh. do another year in that roster. I think that would also uh, be a good move. And then the biggest question mark is EG. I I know that this is kind of a thing on Reddit, but I've been saying this for a while. I don't think that Arteezy and Sumail work well together. They're just... As play styles. Yes. They're both very individually skilled, but I feel like on a team, they just don't work. Um, right. Like okay. we can blame it on picks and whatnot, but I feel like that needs to just be broken up somehow. And I feel like Sumail is probably the more valuable of the two in terms of just, he's won a TI. He's very Who, young Who's player. more valuable he's, to the org? That's a really think? good question. I, whew. They are both superstars. So Maybe Arteezy from just a brand Arteezy's, perspective? I think Arteezy's name is probably still bigger. But Yes. Yeah. Uh, but either I way, I think that needs to be broken up for sure. Do you think this uh, should change anything else? Yeah. Outside well, of that, S four kind of underperformed. I feel like at TI, I don't know if it was just a. It's hard to really tell if a player is playing poorly because I think it just. He, you thought he played well. I think he stepped up. Actually, I really? think he played a lot better at TI than the last tournaments. Yeah, I think S four played pretty well for the most part. He had like one or two hard games, but. You know, I honestly think largely it was the draft that made his game difficult. I think individually he played well. He was okay. probably between the last two tournaments and this one, he might be like one of the absolutely most improved players into TI. Really? The rest of his season. I think he played very well. Wow. Um, overall, yes, I think so. Okay. I do not think like it's easy to pin it on him. Like he's also kind of been the outlier in this season as far as definitely had hard times. Uh, so it's easy to pin the blame on him if he has a bad game. It's like, you know, it's almost recency bias. You're like, yeah, man, and as far as always shit, you know. Uh, and then when he plays well, you don't think about it too much. But just like from the outside watching those games, I actually think he played really, really well for the most part. So you know, I somebody just somebody just brought this up in chat, which I think would be hilarious and very cool. If Yawar replaces Arteezy. You have two brothers on the, the same brothers team. Play together? And I actually think that their play styles work better together as well. That could be either good or bad really bad yeah it's one of those things that's super hard i think the dynamic that um the dynamic that kyle and z freak had was really good because i think they as people in terms of like their interpersonal dynamic make a lot of sense because kyle is like very vocal a very strong like leadership person that has a lot of confidence himself and z freak is way more of a chill guy that can sit back let kyle run the show and just do his best but if you are in some mail uh, have like similar personalities, similar egos, or whatnot. That, they don't. That could not be good. But I don't know them well enough. That's the thing. I know Kyle and Z Freak better. I feel like than the other two, uh, and their yeah, dynamic. I don't know how Sumail has like uh, in the last couple of years how he's evolved as a person, but I can tell you, Yuar is definitely the chill kind of carry. In fact, maybe too chill. But that's something he's apparently improved on greatly. So I feel like personality wise and like communica- communication wise, they'd be very good fits, play style wise uh-huh. as, as well. And the fact that they're brothers makes it just even more interesting from a PR perspective. I mean, that's the thing about it. That can be a good and a bad thing because family, like in some cases, I think playing together with family can be good. And I think in other cases it can be bad, right? Because it's like there's the out of game element that can work super well or be uh, disruptive. Because let's say 
like what you could easily imagine is a team like that goes through hard times. They have a bad land, they have bad scrims or whatever. Mm-hmm. As the captain of that team, how do you have a like how does the dynamic work when you have two brothers that will probably largely agree with each other and align their views and have like they will talk a lot outside of the games about what they think about their teammates, blah blah blah. Uh, how do you like it's just a different power dynamic, right? When you have two brothers that are not captains, either of them in the team. Um, I just I could see it causing problems, right? No, I know what it's, you mean. It's hard to say. It's just like but working it, it with friends. It can also be a great thing, you know? It's like creating a business with a friend or a family member. Yes. It can, yeah, absolutely. It can be great or terrible. It's usually one of the two. Not yeah. very often in between. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm sure next episode we're going to be talking a lot about this stuff since this is going to be the biggest news in the next month or so. Uh, so yeah. let's move on. Uh, oh, shit. I forgot to take a picture of this. The Trove Carafe Cinderin. Yes. You're going to have to remind me what sets were in there. This, so this uh, was the... So Trovecraft comes out every year, has signatures that you can buy for a dollar. Uh, and I was saying this on my video, the chest opening video, which if people haven't seen that and you've watched my videos before, this is the one that you want to watch because I actually got lucky for once. Um, but typically... Do you want to say what cor- you got? <laughs> correct. I will. No. I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter. I, I got everything except for the ultra, the, the rarest one. In okay. Only and seven how many chests. did you open? Just oh wow, that's that's really good. Yeah, it was very lucky. Somebody did the math. I it's like point zero 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 one percent or something. I got really lucky too, but not that lucky. I opened seven as well, and I got a rare and a very rare. Nice. That's also super lucky, but unfortunately not the very rare I wanted. Yeah, the but monkey I think king. I'd rather... That's really so. Here's the thing, though. No, I'm among the very rare. I wanted the maiden one, but I got the tusk one. Oh, so that's what oh, I, I got. Meant. Both, bro. Um. Yeah. So the Trove Carafts every single year have never changed abilities before, right? Am I, I, I wrong? I think you're right. I think you're right. Like I have a, I'm into cosmetics quite a bit. I don't remember them ever changing skills. So this is the first one, I believe. And it was really good. Can you name the heroes real quick that are in the chest? Uh, Bounty Hunter has a claw. All right, hold on. Let's go staff. one by one. One by one, my friend. Okay. So Bounty Hunter right. claw that changes Janata which is yep. very pronounced, and his claw is an iron talon, essentially. A moving, animating iron talon, essentially. Yes. It's, that uh, item crystal, is super legit. Crystal Maiden, staff, gives her an aura animation when she levels it up. And I, is it also when heroes respawn? Uh, I'm not sure about the respawn, but it works on every hero in the game. Yeah, on her team. Every allied hero. It's, yes. it's, it sounds strange, but it does look pretty cool. I It's That's a... Cool. Yeah, it's a cool one. The staff is whatever. Uh, Nature's Prophet gets a cloak. That's the one that piece. lagged the TI games, yeah. right? Yeah. It changes not, his Wrath of Nature, I think. Yeah, it just adds like a little shard model to the ult, which, yeah, you know, it's fine. Uh, Arc Warden got Wraith Binder. It's a, I think it's a shoulder that makes his wraiths into familiars instead yeah. or into bats, basically. Yeah, and who was that that was playing that? Uh, was it Nisha? Miracle. Miracle. Miracle you just spamming those everywhere. Yeah. yeah, that one's pretty cool. Uh, TA got a shoulder piece. Uh, I actually don't know what this changes. Refraction. Traps, I guess. Refraction? Okay. Yeah, it adds like um, this uh, ribbon around the refraction, which I think looks very cool. Very. It's a little right. bit more subtle than a lot of the Immortals, but I liked it quite a bit still, which I think we used. Chaos, sure. Chaos Knight got a broken blade. Yep. Uh, changes his chaos strike, I think. Um, that's his passive, right? His passive, yeah. 
Yeah. It changes the crit. People were making sure. fun of the icon for that, so I think they're probably going to change it. But no, they changed uh, it really fast. The how did they change already? Like, yeah, the first one was like a placeholder. <laughs> they put a placeholder in by mistake, right, I think. It I looked see. stupid. So that one's okay. Uh, it's maybe a little Tusk underwhelming. got a weapon. Offhand weapon. Which, yep. Yeah, I think it changes his ult. Yeah, it changes his Not ult. Sure. Uh, so, Craig, I, this is a stupid question, but I just never really paid attention. When you walrus punch somebody just normally, mm-hmm. they do a somersault, right? Or is it just they go up in the air? I think they do a uh, somersault normally. Damn, because I'm that, actually not sure if that's cosmetic based or not. Because when they, like know. this cosmetic, they definitely somersault, which at first I was paying close attention to it, so I wasn't sure if it changed it, but I think it's the same. Mm. So people are saying okay. yes. But the thing that right. it changes is the text, which is very pronounced, and it says, uh, wait, what does it say? Is it fish punch? or Something like that? <laughs> I don't Probably, remember. Yeah. But it's a different color as well, I think, which is nice. Right. So that's okay. cool. And then the Monkey King uh, one, I think, is the last one, right? No, Techie's got an elephant. Oh, um, <laughs> how could I forget? They actually fucking did it. Uh, <laughs> did you see the original elephant, one. by the way? It wasn't even did, anything did, close yeah. to this one. Yeah. So. Uh, it's pretty funny. This is what makes the chest amazing, other than the Monkey King, which we'll go over in a second. But this is literal Heroes of New Earth slash League of Legends types cosmetics. And no one's complaining, Cinderin. Your thoughts? They're not complaining because it's techies. The hero's already dumb, so you can give him <laughs> dumb cosmetics, and it's in character. You know, it just fits. Nah. I, I don't. I don't mind too much, honestly. I don't mind. Too much. It's it's interesting that you say that because I remember having conversations even with you, like, "Eh, this cosmetics a little too far." I think if just in in theory, once it comes out, though, like, ah. All right, it's a fucking, fucking pink elephant. That's great. I love it. But it, but it's fucking techie, so I can't I can't care. You can't like, separate that. I see. I just I just can't care about this hero. They could turn him into I don't know a circus wheel or whatever, and I'd just be like, cool, you know, it's fucking techies. Like who gives a shit? So yeah, the set um, itself is no. really cool, though. It's really cool. I like it a lot. Honestly, a, a bit more serious answer though. I think. As weird as this may sound, I actually think this is one of the ones that are crazy that fits the character the most. And the reason is, Techies as a hero, like the whole concept of it, the way he talks, the way he moves, the way he plays the game, it is a clowny character. Like you just can't deny that. Techies yeah. is just like a clown. So you can, I feel like you can do crazier shit and it still feels in character. Uh, it's very similar to Ogre Magi where some people point a lot of criticism toward it when he got the... What was it? The the ring? Is the it called ring? a bathing ring? The thing on Swimming his back? It? No, the one he has around his waist, like when you go out oh, in the, the water. Oh, the tube. The, um, the, yeah, the water. Yeah, I can't remember what that's called. What's that called? What's that called again? I can't remember. I feel like I called it bathing ring and people laughed at me, so that was the wrong word. It's, it's like a, <laughs> some sort of a tube. Floaty. Floaty. That's what. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He floaty. has a floaty. Um, and again, it's because Ogre is like, it's a clowny character. So I feel like, again, it, it fits the personality of the character more. And I think with a hero like Techies, you can get more creative. Like for, for, for perspective, right? Let's imagine you took, um, what would be a good example here? Let's say you took Beastmaster and you had him summon like completely different creatures, like Call of the Wild Boar instead it summons... A miniature hippo. Turtle. 
turtles. Like that would feel pretty fucking weird, right? Like that doesn't really make sense if he summoned turtles, would it? Okay. I don't know. Maybe it's a bad example. Well, what do you think of the custom creeps that are crocodiles and chameleons? Or the opposite way, if Disruptor, instead of riding on an animal, rode on a cart. Because that's the flip side of techies, right? They used to ride a cart and now they ride an animal. If you did it the other way around with heroes, I feel like it would feel weird. You know, if you want to pay $1,250, you can buy Disruptor riding a lawnmower. (laughs) The model's already made. Yeah. The distractor. I mean, I I personally uh, have no issues with any of the stuff that you're saying. I know, I know, I know you. You're like a, you're like on the extreme side that just doesn't care about anything. Um, yes, and well, but I would you, definitely agree with your statement that I've become softer on this. I used to. Everyone has have, like stronger points. Well, yeah. you remember it's, Ursa? Just remember Ursa. Just remember. Yeah. Everyone's outrage. Now look at the game. Yeah. Everyone's evolved. But I think that's that's a really key point, though, is that they've eased it in. And I think that's where the yeah, Ursa thing was was tricky because it was a really big jump out of nowhere. Like what Valve have basically done the last four years is they've slowly made things a little crazier and a little crazier. Here's the thing. And then though, I think Cinderella. it's easier for people to accept it. Let's say when Ursa, the Alpine Ursa came out, let's say they never took it out of the game. What do you think right. would have happened? Like community-wise, do you think people would just get sick of complaining? Would it actually have made it any difference like in terms of people playing the game? I don't think so. So they they could have... I don't what know. I'm trying to say is Valve could have, in theory, accelerated the game. Short term, maybe people get a little mad, but overall, it's not like you're losing any business. And if anything, you're gaining business with more cosmetic purchases. And by it this depends. point, we're coming out with uh, you... ben- uh, gender benders more often than we are now. I think maybe, but at the same time part of the like a big part of the hardcore dota fan base one of the things they really disliked about league and han was how crazy they went with the designs if you would have made that leap like that i don't know if people would have bought into the cosmetics as much so in the end it might have been a worse overall financial result right slowly transforming it so just to be clear some of it i'm memeing about obviously like you say i'm on the extreme but i'm not really like the stuff that han did and league does i think is like fucking their axe equivalent plays basketball for God's sake. That's yeah. stupid. I'm not. A, I'm, I wouldn't be okay with that. So I'm not technically mm-hmm. on the extreme, Cinder. Okay, just want to throw okay. that out there. Gotcha. Right. Uh, but things are okay. getting crazier, and I love it. Okay. Want to uh, talk about Monkey King quickly? Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. So Monkey There's King, Golden the, Tusk, the and Golden Maiden. Those are the very rares. But yeah, yeah. So Monkey King changes his ult, and it looks fucking crazy. Really His cool. Ult is super good. Does it mess with FPS? Is the question though. <laughs> From what I've seen, no. I think this this monkey ultra rare is probably one of my favorite sets in the whole game. Yeah, I think it's, it's really extremely good. good. But you don't have and it. And no, I don't have it. Um, People gift me for, and Cinder in Monkey King set for a couple of reasons. So something that Valve have been doing a lot lately is when they make these very rares and whatnot, it's just other items that are remodeled in gold. But Monkey King is probably the hero in Dota that it makes most sense to have a gold outfit on. It just fits the lore Alchemist of it super well. As like well. Alchemist as well, absolutely. Those two heroes. And it's just like the, the way Sun Wukong is depicted, right? Uh, having him have gold is super cool. And then on top of it, it's not another set that has just been remodeled. It's a unique golden set. And the ulti looks fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. So I think they really... Like this item 
should like i don't know if it should or whatever but when people were talking about the like the immortal chest and they were like ah, i don't think this immortal chest is as good as the others i think whatever chest people thought was the worst if it had monkey king in it they would not have complained like this set is just maybe they maybe, had it in it's there it's probably the best set they made this year it's yeah. the best set Valve made this year actually you could i just thought of something cinder what if what if these were all made originally for the battle pass, but then Valve saw that, oh, we're going way over our price pool already. Let's just put these in the Trove Carafe instead. These are literal immortal items. We said they've never done the skill changing stuff before for Trove Carafe. It's true. So, huh. Maybe, yeah. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah, because anyway. this did not contribute to the prize pool, right? Trove Carafe does not contribute. Right. I believe so. I think. I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember ever reading that, so I don't think it does. But anyway. It did? It did? It, okay, I don't know. I'm they not did? sure. Okay, everyone's saying they did. All right. Okay. Uh, as if that needed more. Oh, it's two different, it's two different conversations. Okay, either way. All right, so S, or, sorry, Arcana winner. Uh, Ogre won by a sizable margin. Are you happy about that? Yes. That was the guy I wanted to win. So that's Good. Great. Now... I have a very interesting prediction on what the Arcana will be. Why don't you give me okay. yours, what you would want it to be? Um, so like we talked about before, I think Ogre is one of the heroes who can go a bit crazier. Um, yes. So I think they're going to turn all of Ogre into a... He's going to roll around like a Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hero, it's just Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Sounds awful. I don't know. Actually, I haven't. I haven't thought about it that much. What they could do with him? Um, do you think they could add a third head? Ogres don't have three heads, do they? They always have two. They can make up their own lore. Come on. Well, if it has three heads, it's a chimera. <laughs> is that right. what? Is that actually what a chimera is? Or a hydra? Chimera and hydras have three heads. Hydras have three of the same head. Yeah, but don't and they have to have three? Chimeras have three different heads, right? It's three different animals, I think. But don't they have to be a specific type of animal? Like, can't an ogre just have a third head? Okay, there's, there's somebody in chat saying there are three-head ogres. We're going to trust that guy. Um, All right, so you have nothing in mind. Do you, want, <laughs> yeah. do you want to know my idea? Yeah, I haven't thought about it, so I have no clue. What about, I know I've said this so many times before, but this one will be especially hilarious. The first gender bender, Cinderin, a female, double female in this case, ogre magi and it's not one of those that's really pandering to the crowd it's not going to be a sexy looking creature it's going to be mm-hmm. hideous with saggy boobs or whatever you want to put on her that so sounds like amazing females in wow yes yeah that's actually <laughs> You're just gonna very... say yes you have no idea <laughs> <laughs> no orc females in wow why not what do you think buddy? um what if one head was female and the other was male and they're just bickering their wife and husband. <laughs> yeah. I think that's that hits a little too close to home for a lot of people that are playing. Alabama game, set you know? for ogre. <laughs> Brother and sister. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, that's good. The Alabama. And they all have accents like this. Oh, just talk like this all day. Oh, that's oh, that's so good. Holy shit. That's a million dollar idea. I, f- I, I mean, it's no clue, right? I feel like if they do a gender change on a hero, I don't think they will do it for the Arcana. I think it will be the next experiment similar to Kid Invoker. I feel like they would rather do that than make that an Arcana, but 
Um, yeah, I'm I'm just curious what they can come up with. I think you can be really creative with ogre, with spell animations, with voice lines, mm-hmm. with um, just the general look of the hero. There's a lot of lot of stuff you can do. So. Yep, agreed. I'm pretty sure this. Like, I will, I will say, I'm I'm very hopeful that this will be like one of my favorite arcanas in the game. I think a couple of the new ones they've made have been really good. I thought the shaker one was dope. The one from this tri- from this TI is yep, really nice. Good. It's been a little bit... I think I've heard some people say they don't like it so much. I think the Shaker one is super good. Uh, so if they can keep up that like level of quality in recent memory, then I think the overall is going to be great. Agreed. So. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, SFM results. Uh, as you guys know, Slax and I did a very long video reviewing these, so we have. Uh, I've watched, I think, all of them. Third place was... I don't know the exact name, but it was Life of a Courier. Second place was Wrath of Roshan, and first was the Vengeful Spirit one. So, have you seen these, Cinderin? Uh, I think I saw the third place one and the first place one, and maybe a little bit of the second place because I think I had to walk. Away you haven't seen the second place one? Are you serious? You haven't seen maybe. Wrath of Roshan. I think I only saw a bit of it in the arena. I'm not a hundred percent. Okay, so I'll be talking for this segment, I guess. Yeah, I, th- I mean, so, you've watched this way more than I have regarded. The first place, so the Vengeful Spirit one, it's a good video. Like, it is. I could see it uh-huh. being third place. I put it fourth personally, but I could see it being flip-flop. Right. Life of the Courier is third place. I'm, no offense to the creators, there's no business this video being top three at all. Now, Cinder, do you know, is it the community voting or is this Valve? I actually don't know. My gut I says it's the community either. voting. Because we did vote for it, right? So community, shame on you. Second place, Wrath of Roshan might be the best SFM I have ever seen. And it got second place. Are you fucking kidding me? That's a disgrace. That's a fucking disgrace. I I can't understand how that's second. That's like the easiest shoe-in on first place ever. Uh, and then some snubs, the retro commercial that I talked about, I think on one of our episodes is really good. Um, and then the biggest snub was a parallel universe, which I think is also a shoe in for second place as well. That wasn't even top three. So pretty right. freaking disappointed in the community so if that actually is the case. What are your conditions for what should win or get top three? What do you put emphasis on? Uh, is it the technique and how well executed the animation is? Or everything. Is it the story? Everything. Okay. So, okay, let me give you an example. Um, let's say there is one that is flawlessly designed, like extremely well made in SFM. Like they use the yes. technology to the absolute maximum, but the story is pretty then flat. It's not, yeah, this is the perfect example is last year, I believe, Max's, who won every year, Max of S2D. Yeah. He had a really, like he has the best SFMs pretty much, but the thing mm-hmm. had not a very entertaining story so i didn't like it so it needs to have a little bit of everything it needs to be unique it has to have a good story it has to have a flawless sfm or whatever even if it's not an sfm especially if it's if it's using uh like god why am i missing the term when you're doing like an in real life type thing uh that those are actually Uh, more difficult so the barrier to get past the cringe threshold and make it mm-hmm. actually quality is much more difficult. So that comes into my mind as well. Okay. Um, so yeah, a lot so of it's, it's just a lot of factors. If you could have one with seventy-five percent animation skill and twenty-five percent story skill, or vice versa, what do you think is the better one? Story. Story has more weight. 
Yes. That's why the Wrath of Roshan is like the best I've seen. That had an incredible story? I thought the story was very... It's like... It's a... It's an interpretation of one of Slax's theories on how Roshan became to be. And it was the best graphics I've ever seen. It was literally a... I think it was done in Unreal Engine, I want to say. Okay. Like, you need to watch this thing, dude. It's incredible. Fucking incredible. And I got Mm -hmm. second place. Ugh, I don't understand. I don't know what that's all about, but that's whatever at this point. But congratulations okay. to the top three. I, I don't know if every if the top if they even release the top ten. Usually it's the top ten that gets prize pool and it's just in descending order. I think they showed much. I am not sure. Because I saw the I saw it in the arena, but that was the Chinese production. They I don't showed know the top three did. only. Yeah. That okay. um, the video. So right. anywho. All right. Uh and last thing we'll talk about for Dota is the new heroes were announced. And oh my god. God, Snapfire and Void Spirit. Why do you? So it said both of them will be coming in the Outlanders update in fall, as well as Underlords. Mm, by the way, did it? Yes, it did. Didn't it say Snapfire coming this fall, and then Void yeah. Spirit was in the Outlanders update? Yeah, and then in the final screen, it shows an icon of both heroes. Okay. Well, then I'm, maybe yeah, maybe they. Okay, I thought you I had thought inside information. One. I thought the first day that they showed them, they showed Snapfire, and then it says coming this fall, and then it showed yeah. Void Spirit, and it also said coming this fall, but not both of them on the same screen. And fall is long, and Valve's Did, fall is like six months. So, so you, you be, so again, I was watching everything on a delay because I didn't want to get spoiled. Were they both on the right. same day for sure announced? Or were they one day apart? I thought they were one day apart, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I think they're one day apart. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, they, they showed Snapfire first, it just said fall, then the second one said the Outlanders update, and then at the end, it shows both icons for the heroes, the Snapfire and okay. Void Spirit. So okay. I'm 99%. No, maybe, sure. maybe they come the same update. Sure. Okay, right. so let's talk about Void Spirit since it's um, less known, I guess. So it was a obviously a spirit brother. So it's the fourth spirit now. Um, did you? What did you think of the video? It was more of a simple video, which is why we're talking about it first. Did you get any inkling um, of what kind of hero it could be? Well, the first reveal they had of it, they failed. Uh, the VR was incorrect. Um, the what? way that it was shown, the way the the way it was shown on stage the first time, it failed because the the VR didn't load in the correct place on stage. Oh, but then they really? redid it. Yeah, they redid it, uh, and then when they showed it the second time on stream, it was the correct and fixed version. Uh, really? Where you got to see him fully step out of the portal. Yeah, the the original the original oh yeah AR sorry not VR the original AR was. Uh, it was just placed incorrectly. So the camera, the camera was like filming a place on the stage, and Void Spirit was off the camera. It was like you could see his hair like coming in or whatever. You... <laughs> yeah, the first time it was okay. They so were like, man, that sucks. Again, but, I yeah, watched everything on delay, like hours later, just so I wouldn't get spoiled for some of this stuff. So yeah. I didn't get to see that original video. So what is the like the reaction? People were cheering. Is that the original cheering that they just placed in front of the, or they actually just I... redo the whole thing? I I don't know and I don't remember exactly what it was. But okay. either way, like let's talk about the one where it's correct, right? Where they show it yeah. the way they want it to, because that's the one you've seen. Um so he walks out of a portal, clearly. So we have to assume he has some sort of teleportation ability. Either he creates like a gateway that other people can travel through. I could imagine that being a spell that you can drop a gate on the ground and then people can kind of blink through that gate. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. if yeah. Um, apart from that, he has his weapon is a 
Was it a two-handed like spear with glaives on both ends or something? It was like a baton or something. I don't know the word for this kind of weapon, uh, but it was a two-hander with sharp edges in both ends, right? Double-ended spear. Sure. Yeah. Um, maybe he has an ability that plays on that. Um, I don't know exactly what he would use that for with like the whole portal thing. Yeah, so um, the that video was much less clear what the hero did. Yeah. Um, but the things that I got from it and a couple other people mentioned some things that I found interesting. Like the first sequence is everyone, it looks like everybody's chronosphered or something that might not have anything to do with it. And obviously the portal like you talked about, I'm just assuming it's going to be like uh, Portal, the game. But then the other thing that somebody mentioned I found very interesting was he summons his his weapon why would he summon it that's true that's true so they're thinking that he might be the first hero that's essentially the power treads of heroes where he can change from agility intelligence and strength and maybe right. your skills change as a result i don't know uh, but sounds like an interesting like, concept kind of like the final boss in dark souls 3 that i wouldn't know and take different weapons now i'm sure a lot of people will realize what i mean um but he okay. obviously uh, will have some sort of, of mobility spell the other option is that summoning his weapon is his ult. And throughout the game, he plays with his fists similar to Darkseer. And he's a melee hero. Or that he has like projectiles that he just shoots out of his hands. And then when mm -hmm. he activates his ult, he becomes a melee hero. And that's where he needs the portal. So he can go from being at range to coming up close and then activate his ult. And then he goes crazy in melee with his, with his blade thingy. That would actually right. be a kind of cool design. Do we have any ranged hero that turns melee as an ult or like as a transformation? Not as an ult, but troll. Dragonite's the, the Dragonite's the other way around. He goes from melee to ranged, yeah. and troll has two forms the whole game. He can play melee or ranged form. We don't have a hero that uh, that transformed from ranged to melee. Actually, somebody in chat is saying lone druid, which is technically true, but it's not. It's not for the purpose of going aggressive in combat with melee form. It's a way mm -hmm. of getting tanky. You don't use it to deal damage. Right. Uh, Terrorblade. Ter Terribly goes the other way, though. He goes from melee to range, mm. not range to melee. Um, okay. Yeah, that's... Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I could see that being a possibility, um, which would be, honestly, really cool design. And somebody else in chat also pointed out, which is very true, every single of the spirit heroes has a movement ability. So the portal just fits into that. Ember spirit has remnants. Storm spirit can jump. Earth spirit can roll. Yeah. Uh, vengeful spirit can swap, if you even want to count her. But she is not, not one, of them. one of them. She's not technically one of the spirits. But <laughs> spirit she breaker. <laughs> spirit breaker spirit. can charge. Like Everything <laughs> that has spirit in it has some powerful movement. They're so not included. Okay, so yeah. let's, let's talk uh, about Snapfire. This one is a little yeah, bit more interesting because a lot more was revealed. The SFM was amazing. That was great. I, was really great I don't know what you thought of it. I think the, the, the concept of the hero is so cool because it's a female character that is not pandering right it's an old have, fucking hag have, i mean we have others of those right dota no, doesn't have the most sexualized female characters they, that's true but i feel like most of the female characters i mean i think most of them are sexualized uh but the ones that I mean, aren't the, are just like I, undead like bid, death prophet right who else is there that's drow ranger she's sexualized what are you talking about of course she is you think so? I don't think yes. she's particularly sexualized. Broodmother doesn't I think count. The most, <laughs> the, the most sexualized female hero in the game is Lena, right? No, she has Klop. Like, 
Quap is sexual yeah, because true, true. she's a Quop, succubus. Sorry, yes. That one, that one makes one. sense she, though. She's a succubus. Yes, it, it's the char- It's the character. And Lena is number two, right? Because she has kind of the like. Also, her demeanor and the way she talks is a bit like that's what they're going for. Um, You're calling her a slut too. No, <laughs> that's a very weird assumption to make out of that too. Okay, Spectre. That Spectre is a good point. That's a good point. Medusa is not sexualized either. Medusa actually should be more sexualized if you think of the lore. Yeah, she should be is. very pretty, and then when she ults, she turns hideous. Instead, she's hideous and becomes more hideous, which doesn't what make any Legion sense. about Com- Legion Commander? Very sexualized. I am very attracted to Legion Commander personally. But that's that's something. That's not a generic thing. That's just you. That's a that's different true. thing, though. You're right. into very dominant women. All right. Well, the difference is okay. Here, let me put it this way. You. All right. <laughs> maybe pandering is not the okay. I'll, I'll retract what I said because you're right. There are a few characters. What I will say is it's fresh to see a female character that is humanoid. Humanoid is still not the right term. I'm like. Not undead, not dead, not a weird creature, just a human, essentially, although this is a keen, and it's just an old hag. I I just like the, right. the concept of the hero. Yeah, I do. Too. Okay, in terms of the abilities seems, that we can seems... see from... Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just, I feel like the... Um, how to say? I think something Valve is exceptionally good at when it comes to their hero designs and development is that... At some point, you feel like you run out of ideas, right? Like you're going to create two heroes that are a bit similar to each other. I think they do a really good job at making unique stuff. Like this Hmm. is... uh, When you look over the roster of Dota, it's something they've done in the past, right? Heroes that were too similar got reworked. Like Wraith King and Sven used to have a similar stun. One gets changed to AoE stun. The other one gets single target with a slow. Uh, Lion, Earth Spike, and Nyx and Pale used to be the same spell. They get changed a bit. Like they still keep their identity, but they. I mean, become those a bit are different. pretty similar. And same. They're with pretty Hex. similar. I mean, it's fair, but apart from that, the heroes are very different, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There aren't. You can't like take two heroes out of Dota and be like these heroes are almost the same. And I think that's something that other games in this genre kind of fall uh, fall victim to later on is that there's just too much overlap between what heroes do. In, for example, in a game like League of Legends, there are very many similarities between carry heroes even if they're different there are many overlaps i feel like you dota's heroes are very unique like there aren't two heroes that can be like wow this is almost the same as this other hero this really isn't and that's what i love about this reveal of the hag is that she truly (laughs) seems like she has nothing in common with anything else it's super different uh from everything we've seen Mm -hmm. so that's i i just find that super cool that's they do a very good job with I agree. with design. So the SFM itself was extremely well done and entertaining. Yeah. Uh, and we can guess a decent amount of the abilities as a result. So let me list the ones that I f- thought I saw or think they might be, yeah. and you can follow up. Mm-hmm. So the one that I missed the first time I watched it, I saw it the second time, is the very beginning of the video. There's like a mechanical, uh, like a mechanical jaw mouth if you will Mm -hmm. that closes in on like a bug or whatever it is so i think that's very Uh clearly one of her spells is like a trap of some kind right Mm -hmm. Uh, and then she has a couple different scenes where she is shooting a shotgun one is like very i think she's going to be arranged here most likely so that's probably her normal attack and then there's a more specialized shotgun blast of some sort and then obviously the big thing is her ult which i assume it's her ult is she starts writing this creature um which i think and somebody brought this up on the jungle jam that i agree with that i think would be really cool is 
you just get a whole new set of abilities when you start writing this uh, right. mount instead of it being something you need to micro, which I hope it's not. That would be mm-hmm. terrible, I think. I, I think they're they're trying to make things a little bit easier for people, so I doubt it's a Who, micro. What other Dota has a transformation spell where it gets new spells? There's Stop one asking hero. these questions. Um, transformation that gets new spells. Brew. That's true. Yes. Brewmaster. Uh, the but old that's keeper micro. Yeah. Right. Yeah. True. But there isn't there isn't much of this where you transform into a new entity. Basically, most of the transformation ults just make one ability different, like Dragon Knight or uh, Alchemist, you know, or Lycan. You still have the same spells; they just change a bit, but you don't yeah. get new spells. So, in terms of like when you're uh, using Lone first Druid, lot- somebody said Lone Druid is true. You get a new set of abilities when you you get the what's it called you get Battle Cry. Uh, didn't you used to get another spell in Lone when you turned? Uh, but now you don't anymore. Was it a passive? I don't remember. I but, feel like sometime way back he got two spells, but now he only gets battle cry. But I think at least two abilities are unlocked with this. Uh, the creature itself is freaking from How to Train Your Dragon, by the way. I don't. It's like exactly the same, except it's a lizard. But mm-hmm. I have no problem with that because it's super cuddly. Uh, but the two abilities, mm-hmm. one is like a leap. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. He, she, the thing leaps at the end, and then the other one is a very concentrated fireball, which. Yeah. And I guess some lore was also kind of out there. She's a keen, and Timbersaw is her nephew <laughs> or something yeah. like that, right? Right. So anything else come Which to mind for fits you? fits very well because she also seems maybe like she's a little bit crazy, just like Timber. So yeah. that's cool. Um, yeah, there's a little bit more. So she has a, there's a scene in the, in the clip where she, um, oh, she the throws cookies. a cookie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I have this idea. The cookie, I think, is one of her primary spells. And it's either it's one of two things. Either it's something that is only ally target, including herself, where you get like a buff, gives move speed or whatever, and damage. Or mm-hmm. it can also be thrown on enemies. And then it would have synergy with the trap, where you catch them in the trap, and then you force feed them cookies. <laughs> and then and then they like okay. get stunned or something from throwing like up or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I could see it as a potential like weapon. I don't know if, if there would be any way to do that. Um, and then I think the fireball, I have this speculation that it has break. Because I think that's one of the mechanics in the game that we have very little of. We have break yeah. on Nether Toxin, and we have break on Nyx Ulti, and we have break on Shadow Demon Ags. Yeah. I think those are the literal only abilities outside of Silver Edge that can break. I think so, And too. it's something that's a bit missing missing in the game. So if they give this as a spell either in the Ulti form or in the regular form that it works like a break, it also makes sense with what you saw happened with Timbersaw, right? It's like she he threw the dies. fireball on him and he just he yeah. just melted, kind of like you melt breaking armor. Um, yeah. One other thing. So maybe uh, the final thing for me, at least for this hero, I don't know if it was just because they wanted to make the SFM interesting, but the whole storyline, if you catch it, is that her cookies are being stolen. So my question yeah. is, is that significant in terms of the skills? That the enemies can actually steal something from her, or is that just what something if they, they threw release? In? What if they re-release her with Dire Tide? Who gives a shit about Dire Tide? Honestly, everybody, everybody <laughs> wants Dire Tide, but they don't. They but think they, they don't. do, but they don't. <laughs> no, I, I don't even think they think they do uh, anymore at this point. <laughs> after the last time, so yeah, it'll be really cool to see. I mean, I love new heroes. I love theory crafting. You know, I love trying to design shitty heroes. Uh, so I'm excited to see what happens 
Uh, with we forgot one break, by the way. I just wanted to clear that up. Uh, yes. Doom Eggs also breaks. So there are four, right? Doom Eggs, Shadow Demon Eggs, Nyx Vendetta. That doesn't really count. Nobody Talks. buys that, though, right? No. It doesn't count. Yeah, so like the access to this mechanic in the game is very... Yeah, it's hard. It's very scarce how yeah. to come by it. So, Okay. Uh, they, that is like in conclusion they just look fucking fun they look cool yeah. I love the designs and I think they're going to be fun to play my speculation is that Void Spirit will be a core um, primarily maybe he oh. can be a flex pick he looks like an int type maybe that has this physical component mm-hmm. um, yeah let's let's predict what attribute they are go ahead so int so for I think him he, I, I think he's int uh, but that there is a perhaps something about the, the way that he uses his weapon that maybe it uh, it becomes the type of hero that finally truly uses int and agility. We don't really have a hero like that that really uses both attributes well. So mm-hmm. maybe that's like a a Kaya, introduction of Harkin's blade a Yasha, coming soon. A Yasha hero, maybe. Maybe they do the triple combined weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and Snapfire. I think I think Snapfire is a support, and I'm mainly basing that off the cookies. It seems more of like a supportive approach to the game that you're buffing your teammates with that uh, and then you can still like you lay traps right like you lay traps to set up your teammates for success you throw cookies to set them up for Agreed. success and then you also have a transition so I think that Snapfire will probably be I mean we're get, starting to get a lot of int heroes then maybe the Void Spirit is agility and then Snapfire is int I think one right. of them is int and one is agility I don't think I would, they're both int can we remember these predictions because I am very confident in my answer on these okay so I th- okay. What is your final answer? I think she is agil- She is int, and he is agility. That's okay. My guess. I think void spirit is all three attributes because if you think about it, okay. earth spirit is strength, storm spirit is intelligence, ember spirit is agility. Mm-hmm. You already have one of each. Now you just so need he the has an attribute to have all shift three. spell, like just yes. turn primary attribute. Okay. Yes. And then I think, and I feel very strongly about this one in particular. I think the wench or the hag <laughs> is. <laughs> the wench. <laughs> is going to be a female, obviously, ranged strength support. Strength. Yes. Strength support. Okay. So like Huskar, or uh, like Io, basically. Yes, well, except m- more fun to play because she actually has maybe more interactive okay. spells for non-pro players. So I guess yeah. it does make sense for her to be strength <clears throat> if she's related to Timber to an extent, if you want to go that route. I don't know if that matters that much, but yeah, sure. But... We don't know if she's related to Sniper yet in any way. They didn't show anything of that. But Not many ranged strength heroes either. Is there... Wait, so how many keen heroes are in the game? There's Tinker, Sniper, Timber, and... What's Batrider? Because he was in the video. I don't know what he is. I don't think he's keen. He's not keen. He doesn't look keen. Uh, Clockwork. Gyro. Clock, Gyro, Alk. Tinker. Tinker's definitely yeah. keen. Yeah, so they're a bit all over the place with stats. I don't think. Oh, we, we should also. I, I did mention this, but they will both be in Underlords as well. So we're finally seeing what we thought Artifact would do, right? <laughs> Where you introduce mm-hmm. a hero, then both of them come out in the same game, or both for Dota, and it's like cross promotion essentially. So right. glad. I'm very interested to see how Valve does that because we had a lot of theory crafting with the way they do it for Artifact. Of course, that just kind of died. Uh, so. Yeah, if they have cross-promotion in each respective game. Okay, right. so final thing we'll talk about as this episode has gone very long, but of course, it's a very special episode, Cinderin. Uh, yeah. 
we have to talk about something that's not Dota related in order to call ourselves an esports podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> World of Warcraft Classic Edition has been released, and I know almost nothing about it other than earlier today there were over a million people watching, and on Twitch at least. And the fact that yeah. to get into the, an actual game, some people I've seen queues that are last days. I don't know if that's actually stayed that way, but yeah. pretty hardcore. Tell me about it. Um, yeah, I can tell you a lot about this game because I've like I've played a lot of games, and if I was put on the spot to make a top three best games of all time, uh, the original World of Warcraft experience goes in my top three, together with Warcraft three and Dota two. Those are my three. Probably also my three most played games just in terms of raw hours that I've ever sunk into video games. Um, so I'm personally super excited about this game. It came out about 12 hours ago. I think World of Warcraft got worse over the years. I still think the original game was probably the absolute best that they ever made. Uh, the first two expansions were also pretty good, Burning Crusade and Wrath of the Lich King, but then it's been kind of downhill from there. Um, but just the game experience of this is incredible. And if you've not played the game before, if you like RPGs in any sense, I really recommend you to try this game. Uh, play it through once because it's a very, like, I've, I've never found a game like it. And I've played a lot of other MMOs and it just never had the same feel for me. Um, as far as the game goes with the launch, there's been, <laughs> uh, it's pretty ridiculous. So originally when Blizzard announced that the game was coming out and they were announcing servers, I think they announced four PvP servers for US and two for Europe. And since then, which I think was two weeks ago, Europe has increased from two PvP servers to 10. So either Blizzard did it as a strategic move, uh, I don't know what the strategy is there, or they vastly underestimated how many players they would have. I want to read a tweet real quick from Frodan, right. one of the really uh, good casters in Hearthstone. Um, I should have found the tweet before I said that. <laughs> Go ahead, keep talking about the game. <laughs> I'll find uh, it, don't worry. Yeah. So, but I mean, the, absolutely, the number of viewers last night was incredible. There's a super, there's a really, really big amount of hype generated around this because it's such a nostalgic experience for loads of players around the world. Uh, so I think just, World of Warcraft, yeah, go ahead. Just to be clear, I because I again I played a little bit like a week of WoW just to try to see what people are so obsessed with, mm -hmm. and we've talked about this before. I'm just not into RPGs. Just it is what it is. Right. So this mm -hmm. is just the original game. It's not changed in any way. It yes. just doesn't include any expansion. That's it. Is there anything I'm uh, missing? So the like way WoW has thing? developed, the way WoW has developed over the years is that when a new expansion comes out, all of the existing servers start playing on that expansion version. You can choose not to buy the expansion but then you don't have access to the new content and you lose the uh, community with everybody else because they're playing the expansion. So right. okay. like, you could technically, in theory, you could stay in Classic forever, but you would have nobody to play with because everybody's playing. So expansion. when somebody gets an expansion, you literally cannot play with them unless you also have the expansion. You can play in the areas that you share, as far as I'm aware. But okay. the majority of endgame content is, of course, going to be <clears throat> in the new areas that you don't have access to. Um, so basically what this does, there's a couple of things about this that are really important. Uh, the first one is everybody obviously plays on the same version, which is the main case for retail anyway. Um, they announced the game with what they call basically no changes. So this should be the authentic original World of Warcraft experience with how difficult it is to level up, how strong enemies are, how difficult dungeons are, uh, how you go, th how you travel, how you interact with other players. Uh, something that has happened over time with this game that has changed the feel of it a lot is they have 
really started valuing convenience over atmosphere. So something you could imagine can be both good and bad at the same time in a game like this is making traveling super easy because it makes it easier to get together with people, but it also makes you lose that sense of immersion of being in the world if you can just teleport everywhere. You know what I mean? It's like this whole traveling through zones to get to places and all this mm-hmm. stuff and having to meet up with people, having to group up with people to do quests while you're leveling up, all this kind of thing. Those are some of the key points that World of Warcraft kind of lost um, toward the later portions because they wanted to make it easier and more convenient to level up for the most part uh, until the later portions of the game. Um, yeah, that's that's some of the key things. Um, there was something else I wanted to cover. While you think about it, I'll read so this tweet. Something, oh, I've oh, got go it. Ahead. So something they're doing is, obviously, one thing they kind of have to change is with the ridiculous amount of players that go in on launch, they have to start out with what they call, I think it's called sharding, where when there's a lot of people in one area, they divide it into like two alternate realities, basically. Because else you would have like thousands of players fighting over the same quest mob in the beginning. And then as the game progresses over time, they will shard less and less because people get more spread out. But in the beginning, they have to do this. Um, Did you say sharding? Like it's, called, oh, it's called layering, apparently. Did yeah. you say it, sharding? Shard, not shard. Sharding, as in shards, not okay. shards. Just making sure. Yeah, you were hoping it was sharding, weren't you? Um, then you would definitely play the game. <laughs> That's my kind of game. That's my kind of game, I'll tell you what. Uh, yeah, okay, go for the tweet. All right, so Frodan tweets, in quotes... You think you want it, but you don't, end quote. This is a quote from Blizzard back in 2013 about whether it was a good idea to have a legacy servers, a.k.a. Classic WoW. Now the category cleared 1 million viewers before launch and still climbing. What else do game devs think that players don't want? That's a pretty cool tweet. Yeah. That was, when was, they said 2013, so six years ago. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's kind of funny. I mean, it's it's been a thing for many years in WoW now that there's been like more and more criticism about the game direction. And again, I think the if you wanted to boil it down to one thing that plays the biggest difference to the most people, I think it's the sense of uh, it's the atmosphere of the game. It's like the character really it's the immersive experience of having a character and working with other people and feeling like you're part of a world uh, where over time part of that has just kind of been lost for the sake of convenience. And uh, that's why people already back then wanted to come back to this because they have these memories of this game being amazing. And there was a lot of concerns. And I think from Blizzard too, they were probably the reason why they said you think you do this, but you don't is that they were like, oh, people are just being nostalgic. You know, They're going to remember 10 years ago when they were playing the game for the first time and it's not going to be the same as playing it the first time. And it isn't. That's why I encourage people that have never played it before to try it because the first time is something really special right um but the fact is a lot of the people that have since tried it that played the beta and whatnot said like even skeptics uh that thought the same thing that they were like it's probably just going to be nostalgic they quickly realized a lot of the people that i've seen play it and heard messages from were like it's incredible how you play this game for just like 10 or 15 hours and it feels like a totally different experience where you feel more rewarded when you do something in the game Leveling mm-hmm. up is more difficult. You re- you d- rely more on other players. You kind of need to make connections with other players in the world to get by as well. As in retail version, leveling up is kind of seen as a chore that you just need to get over as fast as possible. They like boost you through it. You just cruise through areas. You almost don't even get to see what they look like before you're through it. 
Uh, you don't have to think for yourself. Every quest is just telling you, you need to go here and do exactly this. In the old versions of WoW, you know, you, know, you read like the quest log, you interact more with the characters and the world itself. Um, and yeah, that's just, that's the some of the things that people are really coming back for and looking forward to. That that whole community feeling of being in a guild in a different way where later on in WoW, it's it's just changed. It's a bit difficult to explain, I think, to somebody who's never played the game before. That's why this is maybe a bit difficult, but... Uh, I'm sure a lot of the listeners or viewers to this podcast can kind of relate to a lot of these things uh, mm-hmm. to some extent, at least. Um, but yeah, if if you yeah, haven't it, played, if you haven't played the game before, like it's hard to compare it to something that it used to be when you have no frame of reference, right? But yeah, so very cool idea, uh, a rare win for Blizzard. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> it feels like they yeah. just fuck up after fuck up after fuck up, and they finally did something right. So and. Yeah. I used to what be a Blizzard fanboy back queues, in the day. Mm-hmm. I can tell you about the queues from my perspective. So I checked a couple of the European servers right now in PvP. Um, the most populated ones have queues between one hour to about three and a half hours to log in right now to even get to play the game. Uh, I have been in queue for my server for the entirety of this podcast episode, <laughs> and I might get in soon. <laughs> it says estimated time to get in is 28 minutes. So oh, it's well perfect. Planned, you know. Perfect. Um, so yeah, like it, it's crazy how big popularity it has and we'll see how it balances itself out. But they started with two servers. They quickly realized, okay, we have way too many people signing up. They made a third. Okay, we have way too many people. They made a fourth. Then they made another three and then another three or something like this. And still <laughs> some of the servers are massively populated and others are catching up. So it looks to be a, a pretty big success for now. <clears throat> but, you know, as always with these games, like when the hype, we need to see how it survives the initial hype, right? Because there's tons of people that will play this. And maybe a lot of the people that play retail WoW will be like, actually, I don't like this as much. I will play the other game. Or uh, people that come back to play Classic or maybe have that feeling of nostalgia and that it's nothing else than that. But the primary thing I've heard, the most like anecdotes or whatever, are very positive. So that makes me super hopeful. And I honestly think in the next couple of months, I think World of Warcraft will be a top three game on Twitch. Uh, which <laughs> is pretty crazy because WoW has declined like, crazy for 10 years in terms of like mm. twitch interaction uh stupid okay, question do you, like five years do you pay for subscription still is it the, is it a different yes. subscription than the other up-to-date wow so the way they've implemented it is uh if you have a subscription to world of warcraft you have a subscription to everything so okay uh if you have a subscription to retail, you also have one to classic. If you have one to classic, you also have to retail. It's just you're subscribed to WoW, basically. Okay. And what you need to is you need to own the individual games. So I think to play WoW Classic, I think you do need to own the original game, which you can buy. It's pretty cheap. Uh, and then any expansion you want to play, you have to buy the expansions. But if you have a subscription, you can play any of them. Gotcha. Yeah, that's okay. how it works. Very, very cool, Cinderwin. Thank you yes, for that. Very cool. Really appreciate it. Okay. Uh, I think that'll do it for this episode. Uh, did you watch In Bruges while you were in China? No. And I, I didn't check very thoroughly on the plane. Uh, so it might have been there. I don't think it was there. And if it was, I would have probably watched it just to spite no, I, you on the plane. Because yeah. then you would have hated me for that. I would have so. fucking hated but you, no, dude. But I no, have, I haven't watched it The yet, funny thing is, I watched it recently. Like, last before I left right. for Jungle Jam, my friend had never watched right. it. He's like, oh, I heard you talking about it. I want to see it. Like, Come over, bro. Yeah. He watched it, and yeah. he loved it, Cinderin. He loved it? Yeah, he loved it. That's great. Okay, maybe I'll have to watch it soon. I recommend, though, that there should be subtitles, though. I had to restart it with subtitles. It's 
sometimes difficult to understand. Well, maybe for you it would be fine. Nah, just watch it with subtitles. It's better. Okay. All right. Uh, until next time, guys, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Of course, we're going to be back on track now every Tuesday, 2 a.m. PST, 11 a.m. CEST on my Twitch channel. And then, of course, it'll be uploaded later to Dota Cinema and every single audio podcast you can think of. Until Ever. next time, have a great and fabulous day. Bye. Bye. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Yeah.